All right, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are live, and today is the big day, the moment we've all been waiting for. Carrie Lake goes to trial. This is the first day of the three-day trial, and this is going to be probably an all-day event. So sit back, get your popcorn, and get ready for the fraud to be exposed. Now, uh, we covered Abraham Hamaday's motion for a new trial yesterday, and those of you that missed it, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update uh, while we wait for this to get started. So uh, Abraham Hamaday was represented by Jennifer Wright, the former assistant attorney general, alumni of True the Vote, and the former head of the election integrity unit in the attorney general's office in Arizona. And she presented uh, an absolute rock-solid argument as to why Abraham Hamaday should get a new trial. Uh, the county obviously had their rebuttal. And the judge said that he will be taking, he will be making his decision in a couple of weeks um, regarding the motion for a new trial. So that decision is still up in the air. Abraham Hamaday's fight goes on. And we also, I just learned this from Dan Sundin in the chat, who said that Abraham Hamaday has filed a new lawsuit uh, citing newly discovered evidence of voter disenfranchisement. And that likely coincides with the evidence from Carrie Lake. You know, this judge, Judge Thompson, presiding over this case right here that we're about to watch, he decided not to allow one of Carrie Lake's counts to go to trial. Uh, Carrie Lake filed a motion for reconsideration regarding the count that had to do with the logic and accuracy testing after they discovered evidence that Maricopa County conducted secret tests of the machines after the machines were certified, and they discovered that 260 of those machines did not actually pass, right? But they proceeded to run the election on those machines anyway, right. knowing that they would fail on election day. And they wanted to have that addressed in this trial, but this judge decided not to allow it. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing that Abraham Hamaday is filing a new lawsuit based on that evidence. And it looks like this trial is about to begin. So I'm going to go ahead and unmute. I'm going to step out. Uh, and we are going to watch Carrie Lake and her attorneys expose the fraud. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to click that like button and subscribe if you haven't already. All right, this is CV 2022-09-5403. This is Lake versus Hobbs et al. I'll take appearances at the beginning of the day, please, beginning with plaintiff. Good morning, Your Honor. Kurt Olson, Plaintiff Carrie Lake. Brian Blum on behalf of Plaintiff Carrie Lake, Your Honor. Okay. The defendants? Good morning, Your Honor. Elena Rodriguez, Elena Rodriguez. Thomas Liddy for the Maricopa County Defendants. With me is... <clears throat> so, Your Honor, um, Joseph LaRue. And Jack, introduce yourself. Jack O'Connor. Karen Hurt and Taylor. Very good. Your Honor, Craig Morgan for Sherman and Howard. For the Secretary of State with me are my colleagues Jake Rapp and Shane Stewart. Very well. Thank you. Please be seated. Okay. All right. To begin with, uh, there was a motion to allow a teams or remote appearance by uh, one of plaintiff's witnesses. Is there any objection to that? 
No objections. That's granted. I'm not going to sign an order. It'll be in the minute entry, but you make the arrangements. You said it would be like 2 o'clock this afternoon. About, Your Honor. It may wind up that that winds up being out of order, whatever. I'm going to rely on you to tell me we need to remember that to take him. We'll do, Your Honor. Okay. All right. Um, with that in mind, as far as witnesses, uh, how many witnesses are there total that we'll be hearing from from plaintiffs? And who are they? Uh, Your Honor, we have Jacqueline Oniki. The three affiants. Chris Hansel. Yeah. Shelby Bush. Andrew Myers. That's the witness appearing by video today. And plaintiff's expert, Eric Spikine. Okay. Uh, Your Honor, we are also calling Ray Valenzuela today. This okay. afternoon. I believe they're going to call him, but if they don't, you are. We're going to call him yesterday. Okay. All right. For defendants? Your Honor, we're also going to call Ray Valenzuela, who is the client representative of Maricopa County. Please stand. Sir, Ray Valenzuela. Very well. Thank you. Okay. So... There is a current motion that was filed yesterday in a response that I reviewed uh, that is seeking to exclude uh, plaintiff's expert, Mr. Specking. Um, you've asked for oral argument, but and, and I can hear from you each. Um, let me uh, give you the benefit of what I think based on what you've written. I don't know that you're going to give me something that you haven't written by way of oral argument, but um, my view of it is that rather than wholesale excluding somebody, uh, I look to evaluate. It's a bench trial. It, it, it's, it's not like I'm being a gatekeeper to prevent uh, something that I can't later undo in terms of some of the witness's uh, testimony being heard by the prior fact. Uh, so, to that end, I think I have the tool of cross-examination that's available, um, and uh, my inclination is more to hear the evidence and give it the weight I deem appropriate, and across the board in this case, that's been the approach that I've taken for this trial. You may have uh, uh, inferred that from the rulings that I've had so far. Given that, is there anything that plaintiff wants, no, excuse me, the defendants, what's your motion that you want to add? to? Well, the thank you, Your Honor. Nothing to add. Understand, and we're ready to proceed. Great. Thank you. Okay. Fine, Your Honor. Okay. Nothing. Thank you. As a matter of housekeeping, though, Judge, yes. I don't know who, who's a witness who isn't on uh, behalf of all defendants. We want to invoke the rule of exclusion. Very well. Thank you. Okay. All right. So if you're not a party or a party representative and you are a witness, then you need to leave the courtroom. That's what that means. So is there anybody that falls in that category? I don't know these people by face, so I'm asking lawyers. Your Honor, 
normally an expert witness is allowed. Mr. Sprecken? Yes. Oh, okay. That's news to me, Judge. <laughs> what? That an expert can... Well, if he has, we don't know that he's going to be qualified as an expert. He's going to be a witness. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. I think he should be excluded with the rest of the witness. Okay. Or he won't uh, be called as a fact witness. Okay. So that narrows it. Either he's called as a witness and it's only it's an, as an expert witness, or he's not called at all. So to that extent, Fair enough. he can be here. Understood. There you go. All right. Then are we ready to begin, plaintiff? You ready today? Defense? That's your honor. And I, I'm going to take Mr. Liddy's response as to all defendants. Thank you, Your Honor. Okay. All right. Do you want to make an opening after everything I've read? I would, Your Honor. Very well. You are allowed to do that. And then the defendants, you have the option of making an opening, if you will, after that, or you can wait for your case in chief, as you well know. Okay? Mr. Olson. Yes, you may. Good morning, Your Honor. Mail-in ballots are, quote, the largest source of potential voter fraud, end quote. That statement comes from the 2005 bipartisan Jimmy Carter, James Baker Commission report entitled Building Confidence in U.S. Elections. That statement holds true today, just as it did when that commission made that statement in 2005. Making sure the voter's signature on the ballot envelope matches the voter's record signature is one of the most secure, most important security features to ensure that the ballot that is being cast is being cast by the, the legitimate voter and not a fraudulent ballot. It's critical to mail-in voting. The evidence that you will see today shows that Maricopa is counting hundreds of thousands of ballots without performing signature verification as required by ARS 16550 or Maricopa's own procedures that they train their signature verification workers in. This isn't a question of not doing it well enough. They're simply not doing signature verification. Maricopa received a flood of 1.3 million ballots in the 2022 general election. They did not employ the resources necessary to perform signature verification in the time that was allotted. The evidence will show that the signatures were either not reviewed at all or that they, the signature verifiers were simply clicking through the computer screen and moving on to the next ballot without doing any cross-reference to the record signature. In fact, record data produced by Maricopa shows that dozens of signature verifiers were simply clicking through the signature comparison images on their computer screen as fast as they could tap the keyboard. That is not verifying signatures, Your Honor, in accordance with Arizona law. The evidence will also show that Maricopa monitored 
each one of its signature verifiers and thus knew exactly what they were doing. They could monitor the rate at which signatures were being processed. They could monitor the number of ballots that were signatures that were being processed through the day. They could monitor whether they were being rejected or accepted. And, Your Honor, I'd like to show you exactly what I'm talking about. If you could call up the video. Your Honor, what's going to be on the screen is an actual capture of the live feed from MTEC during the 2022 general election of a signature of the signature verification function. No input here. And, Your Honor, we blurred his face in this video, but we have the actual original that's unaltered. Your Honor, I'm going to continue on. We will be showing that video unless it's coming up now. Your Honor, in opening, he can show as a demonstrative, but whether he's going to show it later would be up to you whether it's admissible or not. Sure. understand. So, so what that bit... Oh, we got it. Yep. Again, Your Honor, this is a a live feed capture from the 2022 general election. If you look at the monitor on the left, you'll see this is a level one signature group just clicking through images. He's clicking through them at a rate of less than three seconds per image, not conducting any signature review at all. This video is available on the Gateway Pundit. If you notice, if you zoom back out a little bit. We're not able to see it, I guess. But to the right the signature reviewer is scrolling up and down. That is, you will hear testimony, that that's the testimony, or that is the way that the signatures are reviewed. The signature on the ballot envelope appears on the screen, and then the signature verifier has to scroll down to check it with the record signature.
as you see the screens flash again up and down, there's simply no way to review signatures as our expert will testify. This isn't a question of not getting it right. It's simply they are not physically capable of reviewing the signature, both from the standpoint of being able to do an assessment with respect to the procedures, but also with respect to the functionality of the computer when the images you have to scroll down to check the record signature. You don't see the scrolling down function. What that log data shows, Your Honor, is that over 274,000 ballots were approved at less than three seconds each. That includes one signature verifier who approved 100% of the 26,900 signatures that he verified at less than three seconds a signature. Maricopa's log file data shows that 11 of these signature verification workers approved 170,000 signatures at a rate of less than between 0 and 2.99 seconds with a 99.97% approval rating. That's not signature review, Your Honor. Simply flashing a signature on the screen, clicking a button, and moving on is not signature review. As I said, the evidence will show that Maricopa knew exactly what was going on. They could monitor each of their workers and, in fact, told them that they were being monitored. Contrary to what counsel has said before, signature verification is not an art. You don't look at signatures like a Picasso and decide whether you like it. There are specific steps that Maricopa trains its signature reviewers in. In fact, there's 11 steps to analyze different aspects of a signature to determine whether or not it's a match. This is as much a science with set procedures. And the whole purpose of those set procedures are to take out the subjectivity of that evaluation. In fact, Exhibit one. This is the Secretary of State, Katie, then Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, her guide published in July 2020. Page one three. One three. And you'll see, Your Honor, step one, the signature's broad characteristics identifies six different characteristics of a signature. This is what signature verifiers are trained in. And then you can go down to step two. These are the local characteristics. That's five local characteristics for a total of 11 characteristics that are to be evaluated to be considered a signature verification. Flashing up on a screen and moving to the next one without taking the steps necessary to verify is not signature verification under any measure. And at a rate of over less than three seconds to evaluate, that is not signature verification. Before all signature verifiers go through and begin on the election, they go through training that lasts a week, Your Honor. Five days a week, eight hours a day. It's actually quite 
good for the function that they are being, being tasked to perform. You will hear live testimony of two whistleblowers who, one, Jacqueline Onikeet, who was a level one signature verification worker, and Andrew Myers, whose primary function was curing. Curing the ballot is after the signature has been rejected, then there is an attempt made, and this is per statute, to contact the voter to see if you can make sure that the signature is with who it's supposed to be. Both of these witnesses testified that the process that Maricopa set up for signature review, they had 24 workstations at level one review, 24. They had, Maricopa had three level two reviewers. That's a ratio of just one level two reviewer to eight level one signature reviewers. As the level one reviewers would reject signatures, it would be passed up to the level two. You will hear testimony, Your Honor, sworn testimony, that the level two reviewers were so overwhelmed with rejected signatures that they would then have to check with even more resources than the level one had to see if they could uh, determine that, in fact, it was the actual voter signature, that they were so overwhelmed that they would not perform the level two review. They would simply kick back those rejected signatures back to the level one. They wouldn't do it at all. And you will hear testimony that this was ordered by the managers at MTEC. So that's the second part of this. First part, simply clicking through the, the computer screen like a woodpecker and moving on to the next ballot in less than three seconds. And secondly, the fact that the level two reviewers were so overwhelmed that they were kicking back signature, rejected signatures that had been sent up to them without looking at them at all, kicking them back to level one. That's not signature review. As Mr. Myers testify, will testify, he expected, based on what he was told to cure, that there would be 12 to 15,000 ballots for the curing function every day. He was told there's so many coming in, it's going to be a flood. He only saw 10% of that, which meant that on average, there were approximately 10,000 signatures for level two reviewers to cure. As he said, the math never added up. There is simply not enough time in the day to perform the signature review function. And again, the log data supports that. There's 70,000 ballots, Your Honor, signatures that were approved at a rate of less than two seconds. This is what Maricopa's own log data shows. You will also hear testimony today from Shelby Bush. Ms. Bush is the president of We the People Arizona Alliance. This is a group that's been focused on election integrity. It has been tasked by the Arizona Senate to perform investigations on their behalf. They have data analysts, 
They have actual uh, people who have been trained in Maricopa's signature review procedures, and they conduct their own training. And this is much of which has been all directed by the Arizona Senate or the Senate President, then Senate President, Darren Fant, to review signatures and to see what is going on with the process at Maricopa. They received, at the behest of the Senate, the 2020 ballot envelope signatures and the actual record signatures that Maricopa employs. Their review that they've conducted in exact accordance with Maricopa procedures shows that approximately 9.9% of the ballots they've reviewed, and it's well over 200, well, about 700,000 now, but 9.9% 9, 9 are egregious mismatches. Another 12% would not pass Maricopa's standards for signature review. The purpose of this, Your Honor, when you're not performing signature view, review or signature verification, as we just talked about, that means the system becomes vulnerable to fraud. This extrapolated out of 20% of mismatched signatures, making it into the process and being tabulated, equates to over 239,000 ballots in the 2022 general election. When you don't do signature verification, this is what happens. That's the consequence of just clicking on a screen and moving to the next ballot at less than three seconds in image, and even less than two seconds in image. I mentioned that the review showed that approximately 20% of the 2020 ballot images did not match. This isn't about relitigating 2020, but it's about showing a failed process. And that evidence corroborates that the process has failed. And just as A.G. Bronovich noted, in 2020, Maricopa, out of 1.9 million ballots, they rejected just 587 signatures. That's not signature review. You will also hear expert testimony by plaintiff's expert, Eric Spikeen. He has testified in over 400 trials and depositions as an expert on handwriting analysis. He has testified in connection with the evaluation of mass numbers of signatures in the context of elections, in the context of mass torts. He will give testimony on that it is impossible, not that you might get it okay or it might be, it is impossible to review a signature in less than three seconds. This isn't about whether it's 30 seconds to get it good enough for 10 seconds, that it is simply not possible to review a signature at that rate when it's done on scale. He has over 30 years of experience in evaluating signatures in a variety of cases. His opinion is that signature verification was either not performed at all or was simply 
clicking through in a sham process where the signature verification workers were just clicking through the screen. Your Honor, there are huge questions in the public about the integrity of the process. This, this issue, which again, mail-in balloting is the single greatest potential source of fraud. The evidence here today will show a failed process where no actual signature verification is being performed on some ballots, it is. But the question before your court, before your honor today, is whether no signature verification was being performed on a mathematically determined sufficient number of votes to set aside the election. As I said, Maricopa's own log data shows that 200, over 264,000 ballots were reviewed at a rate of less than three seconds, 70,000 at a rate of less than two seconds. In addition, testimony that the level two reviewers were so overwhelmed that they simply didn't look at the signatures that were piling up on their desk. They simply kicked them back for the level one reviewers to take another look at. That's not signature review, Your Honor. Mr. Olson. Would the defendants like to make opening statements now or later? Right now, Your Honor. Thank you, Your Honor. Thomas Liddy for Maricopa County Defendants. Need this? No. All I need is this. ARS 16-550. That's why we're here, Your Honor, after your ruling. 15 county recorders. They have to determine if the signature is inconsistent. Determine if the signature is inconsistent with the elector's registration record. Fifteen county recorders are elected to do that, among other duties. And we're here today because somebody thinks in Maricopa County they didn't do it. And that's their burden. And you just heard their opening statement that no actual signature verification was done, but for some it is. For some it is. Not that it wasn't done at all, but there was a showing in the video of a failed process. Well, Your Honor, we're not here over the next three days to challenge a process. You're going to challenge a process, you got to do that after the process is set, before the election starts. You already ruled on that. So we're not here to defend a challenge to the process. We're here to determine whether Maricopa County, under its recorder and the team that he assembled, under 16550A, made a determination that signatures were inconsistent with the election's registration record. And, Your Honor, you will hear from Ms. Lake's whistleblowers who will actually be the marching band from Maricopa County and they will testify that they in fact 
were part of the process that did do signature verification. They were hired, you'll hear they were trained in the classroom and in practicum, that they executed their duties in accordance with their training, and that they weren't alone, there were others doing it with them. And you will hear that there were other levels from their own witnesses. Level two, managers would review it. Under Reyes, there's no requirement to have handwriting experts looking for matches and loops and all that sort of thing. This doesn't require, according to Reyes, quote, does not require any special expertise on the part of the person making the comparison. The statute merely requires that the comparison is made and that each county recorder in the 15 counties does it. The evidence just shown in the demonstrative is evidence that it was made. Now, if in fact that video showed two individuals, you're going to learn, Your Honor, hear from the evidence that there's 153 others, not just those two. Now, on those two, you couldn't see the screen. I would ask the court to not, to take the, the video for what it is, not for what counsel says it is. Can't see the screen. But if, in fact, the individual on the left was not doing his job, and as you've heard from counsel in his opening, that all 155 level one signature reviewers were being monitored by the supervisors, that individual would have been taken off the line. And, Your Honor, you're going to hear that that individual was taken off the line. So, Your Honor, let's keep it simple. Did Maricopa County fulfill its obligations under its recorder and the team he assembled to execute their duties as defined by the Arizona legislature under 16550 to determine whether the signatures were inconsistent? And if so, they're accepted and moved on to level two. There's no law that requires that there be anything beyond level one. But Maricopa County, you're going to hear evidence that there's level one, level two, and level three. Extraordinary Herculean effort, which Maricopa County proudly accepts, because when 1.3 million people turn out to vote, it's not a flood, it's a great day. Thank you. Okay. Your first witness will be? I'm going to play us for call Jacqueline Oyeke. Chris Franco.
Ma'am, if you could just come up in front of the clerk here, raise your right hand, and she'll speak with you. Thank you. Ma'am, if you make your way around and let stand and have a seat, please. Thank you. You may begin when you're ready. If from there or the podium, either one. Good morning, Ms. Oniki. Good morning. Would you please state your full name and address? Actually, just your full name for the record. Okay. My name is Jacqueline Onakite. Could you maybe move that microphone closer or move the chair, one of the two, because you're a little soft-spoken. Yeah, short. <laughs> Sorry. Can you hear me now? Better? Is it better? I can hear, but I'm very close. Come on, Your Honor. Maybe pull the microphone just a little bit closer. I'll be careful. Is that better? Yes. Sorry. Very well. That may be the best we can do. Thank you, Mr. Olson. Ms. Onokai, what is your general understanding of why you are here to testify today? I'm here to testify on the signature verification process. And is that the signature verification process that you performed for Maricopa County? Correct. Uh, do you live in Arizona now? No, we just moved to Colorado Springs about seven days ago. Okay. How long did you live in Arizona before that? 27 years. Uh, do you have any political leanings or, or anything like that, one way or the other? No, I do not. Are you, what party are you registered? I'm registered as a Republican, but I have voted Democrat. And when you voted Democrat before, who, who have you voted for? Obama. When did you become active in the election process in Maricopa County? Probably when I started hearing back in 2020, there was a lot of information coming out about the elections not being valid. And so I started getting involved and trying to find out how I could get involved and help so that I could see for myself. Why did you want to get involved in Maricopa's election process? I'm doing this for my children. I have five children and Sorry, nine grandchildren, and I want their vote to count. How many elections did you work in for Maricopa County? I worked for the primaries and general. I'm sorry. You okay, ma'am? If you, need a, if you need a break. No, I'm fine. I'll be okay. Do you have water? No, sir. Do you, like, do you want water? We've got a bottle. Yes, please. We'll get that for you. Go ahead and continue. You can approach. Thank you, sir. You said that you became involved in the Maricopa primary. Was that in 2022? Yes, sir. That was the first time you became involved in uh, the Maricopa election process other than voting? Correct. 
Why did you decide or strike that? How, how did you come to be involved in the signature verification process at Maricopa? I found out where I could apply to become part of the process, so I went on the Maricopa website and applied for different positions um, for ballot adjudication, ballot processing, and signature verification, and I was called in for signature verification to work. And you say, when you say you were called in because Maricopa accepted an application? Correct. And that was in the summer of 2022 before the primary? Yes. Okay. And what, what is your understanding of the purpose of signature verification? To verify that in the past history that their signatures match and to verify it's the correct voter. Uh, did you go through any training for signature verification put on by Maricopa County? Yes, I did. Celia Neighbor trained us for approximately five days, and then we also had a full day of training from a signature specialist named, I think her name was Catherine or Kathleen. Uh, who is Celia Neighbor? She's the director at, for signature verification and ballot processing at MTEC. MTEC meaning Maricopa County? Yes. And can you kind of describe in a little bit more detail the type of training that you, you're referring to? Was this classroom instruction? Correct. And how long did it go for? Uh, we usually started our day at 9.30 in the morning and ended either at 3.30 or 4, 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And did you receive any uh, training materials to take home with you or anything like to review? I did receive training material, yes. Uh, did you provide copies to council of those training materials? Correct, yes. I'd like to pull up Exhibit 8A. <laughs> 8A. Which exhibit are we looking at? 8A, Your Honor. And, Your Honor, 8, 8A is a rather large document that might be easier to authenticate uh, if I was able to hand the witness a hard copy. It's all one. The clerk has pointed out to me that they don't bifurcate 8A, B, and, and subparts. It's Exhibit 8, and it's to be one exhibit. Is that your understanding? This was present. The exhibits were presented yesterday. Yes, the clerk has to comply with their their process. The clerk of the court is separate from me, and so I've been told that Exhibit Eight is Exhibit Eight. Not there's not an Eight A and Eight B. Okay. So, going back to you, what were you what were you telling me, sir? Uh, Your Honor, the the training materials that I'm referring to are, are quite voluminous, mm -hmm. and to authenticate it, I thought it would be easier. I was able, with Your Honor's permission, to hand the witness a oh. hard copy and have her authenticate rather than flip through. And I could have have we gotten so technical that we've given up on 200 years of jurisprudence and that's the way we used to do it? Um, absolutely. You may show it to the witness and she can look at it to verify it. Um, 
I'm sorry for the commentary. I'm just a little taken aback that the way that I've always done it for the majority of my life is being, if you're asking permission to do it that way. Absolutely, sir. Looking approach, yes, for that purpose. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. The declaration is not part of that, correct? Yes. yes. It's just the training. And we, we, I hear clicking and things that the exhibits are, uh, I'm told, supposed to be clipped together without pages. They're supposed to be all clipped or stapled together without pages being removed or pulled apart. If we start doing that, it creates problems. So I heard something over there that sounded like the exhibit being taken apart. Yeah. Uh, it, as I said, Your Honor, it's a number of pages, so I didn't... No, if she, she can just pull them over and look at them, then that's great. I just don't want to clip and loose papers... Flying everywhere. Well, becoming missing in a question later. That's all I'm asking, please. So, did you understand what I'm talking about? Do you want me to leave the clip on and flip it, sir? Well said. Leave the clip on and... <laughs> Mr. Onikai, you have been handed a document that's been marked for identification as Exhibit 8 in the court's record. This is the not does not include your declaration that is the cover for 8. But these are the training materials, and I'll represent to you that uh, these are the training materials that you provided counsel for Maricopa's signature verification training. If you would just take a moment to look through it and tell me if it is a true and accurate copy of what you presented and what you received from Maricopa in the summer of 2022. This is correct. Um, Your Honor. Go ahead and move. I would move to exhibit, uh, move to admit exhibit A. Any objection? No objection from the county. Hold on just one second because I'm, I, I need to visit with the clerk on those. It's just that it works. Please. I agree with the test. No, please. Is the declaration marked as a separate exhibit? It is on our end, Your Honor. Yes. So we can. Yes. The actual exhibit mark does have the declaration attached to it, so the county would object to eight being moved in if it includes the declaration, since she's here to testify. It includes the declaration. We have no objection to not including the declaration. I understand, but once an exhibit is marked, it, you don't pull pages out. What you have to do is create a new exhibit. I have no problem with that. Just designate the next number in line. We'll put a new tag on it, and it will be the entire exhibit minus the declaration. Okay, okay with that understanding, what will that number be? That'll be exhibit number 4646, okay? So plaintiff has moved to admit exhibit 46, as I've stated on the record. Defendants, no objection. No objection. 46 does not include the affidavit. Correct. 46 is admitted. Proceed with the questioning, but make sure that this gets taken care of so the record is complete. 
And just, I guess procedurally, the Exhibit 8 is there. She's not testifying from Exhibit from the from Exhibit 8. Does the court want her to use the actual exhibit the court has on file or something that counsel provided for her? The exhibit. Always. But it's the point of exhibit. We've now read it 46. It's Exhibit 46. Okay. I can make I can make this easier. When I have to give the break for the court reporter, you either make a PDF copy, printing it out, and create Exhibit 46, or somebody comes up with a copy of what's agreed. Do you have that? I have Exhibit what's not move. I okay. just want to look at it, and we can have it marked, and then it's not supposed to be double sided, but in a pinch. I'm going to... Yes. Mr. Olson, you agree it's sure. accurate? What you have in your hand, then, let's mark as Exhibit 46. Are you both agreed? I'm, I'm, fine, with, I'm fine with that, Your Honor. Forget about the double-sided rule for right now. If you'll give it to the clerk, she's going to make a green tab. We're going to mark it 46, and then you're going to present it to the witness, Mr. Olson. Okay? Yes, sir. So we'll make sure. Yes, please. Plus, just doing that for future reference, anything we present to a witness has to be one of the marked exhibits rather than some substantial equivalent or something else. Okay. The witness now has Exhibit 46 in front of her, and that has been admitted in evidence. Proceed with further questioning. Sure. Uh, please turn up uh, page 8432. Mr. So, Alicardi, if you would turn to, as it'll be up on the screen as well, but it's the page marked 8-432 at the bottom right-hand corner. You'll see a slide at the top entitled Reviewing Signatures. Ma'am, if you're having a difficult time finding it, I'll have Mr. Olson come up and point you to it if you'd like. Thank you, sir. I found it. Excellent. You see the slide that begins with, and you can look behind you. Is this a document that you reviewed in your training Correct. by Maricopa? Correct. And what do you think that the purpose of this, these training materials were for? To make sure that we were following all of the laws and make sure that we were obviously doing our job. And when you say you were doing your job, what job are you referring to? 
signature verification, we would we had we had a computer screen and it was for the VRAS. We would log in, get into VRAS, and then start, click start, and a batch of 250 green affidavits. Well, one at a time would pull up, and then we would use the actual green affidavit that was sent in for. Forgive me for interrupting. I want to just stick with the training right now and the purpose of what you were being trained to do. And so when you look at this exhibit, if you turn the next page, and you'll see at the bottom slide entitled Handwriting Analysis. Correct. And if you look at the second bullet point, and I'll read that for the record, the second bullet point at page 8433 states, in the context of the signature verification process for early voting, handwriting analysis is used to verify the identity of a voter by comparing the signature on an early voting affidavit against a known signature on the official voter registration file and past affidavit signatures. Was that your understanding of what you were learning to do? Correct. And when it talks about an analysis, of the signature, what does that mean to you? Are these examples of specific characteristics of a signature that you were trained to assess and analyze when you were making your comparisons of the two signatures? Correct. And there, are, if you just keep flipping through to 435, 436, there are a number of different examples here, correct? Correct. If you turn to page 8437, the, the slide entitled Broad Characteristics, Evaluating the Entire Signature. Do you see that? Yes, sir. There are eight bullet points of what, – what does eight bullet points represent to your understanding of signature verification that you were trained in? The type of writing, whether it be handwritten or if they were doing cursive writing, the spelling, the alignment, the overall size. Are these all different factors that you were trained to assess in making a determination whether a signature on a ballot envelope could be verified with the signature on file? with the state. Yes. Turn, if you would turn the page to 8438. You see where it, the slide entitled Broad Characteristics? Correct. Can you, and then the next several slides from 439, 440, all the way over to 441, talk about broad characteristics. Correct. What is your understanding of the purpose of assessing broad characteristics of a signature in conducting a signature verification? Each, I believe that each individual voter's signature, even, even when they get older, it does change slightly, but for the most part, it should stay the same. And in how would you utilize the 
characteristics that are identified in your training materials to analyze a voter signature? Well, as I stated before, a lot of them would be either slanted right or left, or maybe it's, again, not cursive. It was just hand-printed. Would you assess all the different characteristics? Correct. And then if you look over at slide on page 8441, which is up on the screen now, do you see where it says local characteristics? Correct. The spacing what? and the size of their handwriting. So when you say spacing, what are you referring to? Maybe some signatures, they just flow all together, and others, they would actually have the first and the last name separated, a space in between. And is that a, uh, a characteristic that can tell whether uh, a signature should match or not? Correct. If you would turn to the slide on page 8446. I'd like to discuss the equipment setup that Maricopa provided for you to evaluate signatures in the uh, for early voting in the 2022 mm -hmm. primary and 2022 general election. Do you see the slide at the bottom entitled Voter Signatures Accessing the Voter Signature Images? Yes. So when you were conducting signature review, were you looking at computer images or actual hard copies of the ballot envelope? It was the hard copy that was scanned and was on the computer screen. Okay. Can you describe for me and for the court how signature verification would work mechanically? Sitting in front of a computer screen, what would you do? So we would come in every day, log into our computer, and log into the VRAS system, the voter signature, and then we would click Start, and then New to bring up a batch of 250 signatures to go through, the green affidavits. Um, once we click Start, an image would pop up. Once the image popped up, we were supposed to go through our 11 points to verify of the voter matched in the history from before, and it could have been a combination of voter registration forms or uh, past green affidavit envelopes, and once we had verified the points, then it was, we needed to scroll down and just look at the signature for characteristics that matched. So when you say scroll down, would what would happen to the computer screen when you scrolled down? So you still had the the recent green affidavit in front of you, but when you scroll down, you could see all the 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 three that we were given, which again I said is a, was a combination of the voter registration form or past green affidavits that we would verify off of. So you would have to scroll down in order to verify the signature. 
So a lot of times I would scroll down very slowly and then scroll back up because some of them were very difficult. Once I verified the signature, if it was a signature that didn't match, then I would click re um, exception, which meant rejection of that signature, which would then go to the level two managers for them to look at. Um, if it was an approval, then I would press good and that would go on. And my understanding was is that ballot would come from uh, run back for ballot processing the process. Can you describe the various levels of signature review uh, at Maricopa County while you were employed? So level one was mostly part-time employees of the county just for election. Level two were um, part-time employees that have done several, worked several elections, and they would verify. They ha actually had more signatures. They had the full history. So they would spend more time going through those signatures to verify if they could see a match in order to approve that ballot or that green affidavit. Were there any levels above level two? My understanding there was a level three, and I'm not sure who was handling level three. Did, um, were there any managers that oversaw your work or the other signature? Correct. I, I, so we were advised several times that we were being, um, sorry, that we were being monitored and they were doing audits on all of us. And we were advised that if we were either approving too many or rejecting too many, that we would be called into the office and just talked to. If it happened a second time, we would be let go. So we were advised, you know, that they were watching everything that we were doing. Were you ever called into the office? No, sir. I was actually assigned extra duties from, I guess, doing a good job from the primaries. They assigned me to do uh, missing signatures. So if a green affidavit was sent in with no signatures, then I would scan all those uh, green affidavit envelopes into the system for them to, to keep track of which ones came in with no signatures. And then I was given envelopes to stick the original green affidavit in the envelope with the letter stating that they forgot to sign their, their signature on the green affidavit form and that they had so much time to send it back. We gave a, a specific date. So I handled this every morning probably for about an hour to an hour and a half when I first came in. You mentioned you started off with the 2022 primary election performing signature review. Correct. And that was after a week of training, eight hours a day, five days uh, at eight hours a day, correct? We didn't. So when we first came in for the, are, are you speaking with the general or the primary? I apologize. The primary. Okay, so when I came in for the primary, we did the training, but then um, they sent a large group of us to the county recorder's office because they were running behind on 
um, new registration forms we handled and also um, voters that moved. So they had sent out notices saying, are you still at this address? And then they would send it back in. So then we would go into um, the VMO8 to verify their information and then pass it on to whoever was in charge of us at the county. When you talk about going into the VMO8, was that part of the signature review process or something else? It was, but that was more at the curing process when we were done uh, verifying signatures. Uh, these were the rejected ballots that the signatures were no good. And so we finished on the 11th is when we did the last signatures, and then we started um, going back into the history just to ver to take another look first whether or not we could find a signature within all of their history. And once we did that, if we could not, then we would try to locate a phone number and contact the voter to verify their information over the phone. For the primary, can you describe the, the setup Maricopa had for performing signature review with levels one and two? It was the same as um, the general, only they had more of a sense of urgency because we were getting so many ballots in, and we had a much smaller crew for the primary election. Oh. So we were working longer hours. You said that during the primary you were working longer hours? Yes. And where was the sense of urgency that you mentioned? Was it the primary or the general? The primary. How many stations were set up by Maricopa for signature review? During the primary or the general? During the primary, there was probably six to seven in the second room and maybe six to seven in the first room where I worked. And so that's between 12 to 14 stations? Correct, plus the three managers that were for second level that were on the side. So that would be 15 to 17? Correct. And can you describe the setup? for that? It, I mean, it was pretty much the same. We focused in on handling all of the verification of the green affidavits. Whatever reject was rejected, we sent to level two, and then they, they verified um, whether or not they could find a signature that matched. With the Am I allowed to? With, with the general, I felt more of a kind of not a sense of urgency like we did with the primary. And we worked literally to the very last day, to the very last second, where with the general, we ended on, would have been Tuesday the 14th at noon, they had us go home. Which Wednesday was the last day at 5, so we didn't we didn't understand why we were leaving early when there was ballots left in the bins. And we had asked the manager, are you sure that you want us to go home? Would you like us to, you know, keep trying to call these voters to get these ballots cured? And they said no. Do you have an understanding as to the, uh, the number of ballots being uh, signature, process for signature verification? 
in the primary versus the number of ballots uh, in the general election that were being processed for signature verification? There was a lot less for the primary, and there was, um, I want to say close to 1.3 for the general, but I, we didn't have as many for the primary election. And you say 1.3 million? For the, for the general. Can you describe for me the number of stations that were employed for the general election for signature review? There was about 24 for the day shift, and that was split between room one and room two. And then we also had a night crew coming in that they hired that worked from 3.30 to 7, 7.30ish at night. Were there the same number of level two signature verifiers in the general as in the primary? Yes. So that would be three? Correct. And can tell me, you mentioned shifts. When did, what shift were you on? I, I was on the day shift. And that's, this is in the general? Correct. And I was also on the day shift for primary. What were the hours for the day shift? For primary or general? For general. For the general, we started every morning at 7.30. And they usually wanted us out the door by 6.30, 7. And when you say out the door, was that the first shift was out the door by 6.30 for 7? Or was that the... Everyone, including night shift. So when did the day shift end? It, uh, it was supposed to end at 4.35 in the afternoon, but then they were asking people to volunteer to stay. And so it was just maybe two of us, two or three of us. My counterpart that sat, sat next to me stayed. And and I, how, when did the second shift begin and end? 3.30. And when did it end? At about 7, 7.30. So at the same time? Mm-hmm. How was it possible to have two shifts working at the same time with 24 stations? At, starting at 3.30 because half of my crew would leave. They didn't want to stay. So there was less of us there working. At, at any one time during a day, were there more than 24 level one signature reviewers during the general election? Not that I am aware. How many, were there more than three level two signature reviewers during the general election? I, to be honest with you, I know just of Andrew, William, and Jeff. I'm not sure who else was working level two. For the general election, could you describe your workload, meaning how many signatures you would review on a typical day? So the batches were 250. I did keep a tally on a sheet. So each time I would finish going through a batch of 250, I would put a mark down. So every day I usually did between six to eight batches of 250. How did that compare to your workload during the primary? Well, we stayed there much later. Some of us were there till 9 at night, some till 10. 
Um, so we did a lot more as far as batches because of the long hours. How many days a week was signature verification going on in Maricopa during the general? The first couple weeks we didn't work the weekends, but the last couple of weekends prior to elections, we were there. Was that Saturday and Sunday or just Saturday? There was some Saturdays and Sundays. But I also, I also worked, um, I was pulled to work in adjudication because they were short and had way too many adjudicated ballots. So a lot of times, even though we were let go at 7, I was there sometimes till 10.30 at night with the adjudication team. Was there any way that the signature, level one signature verifiers and level two could keep track of the number of ballots that were going to uh, be ready for review? Can you state the question again? I'm, so, I'm sorry. Was there any general notification in the room of the number of ballots that would be ready for review by levels one and two? So for the primaries, Celia Neighbor, our the director, would send us an email every morning of how many ballots that we needed to verify the signatures. And then she also would put what we hadn't completed from the day before and added it to that number. So we got emails every day. For the general election, we didn't get emails. They actually had a whiteboard in the second room that they would um, write down the number of um, ballots that we need to, needed to verify signatures. So I really didn't see the numbers that they were putting down because that was not my room. We didn't have the whiteboard in our room. But I know that they did write the number of ballots that we had to get through for the day. Do you have any recollection as to generally what the number of ballots that were to be processed each day? So I know for the first few weeks for the general, it was sometimes 50, sometimes 60, sometimes 70, those first couple weeks. And is that about 50, 60, 70,000? Yes, sorry. Did you interact with the level two reviewers? I did. During the general? I did, yes. Mainly because we were having so many problems with signatures and the rejections that I would turn around and apologize and say, I am so sorry that I'm sending you these because they were getting overloaded with signatures and they were getting frustrated. And when you say they, are you referring to level two reviewers? Yes. And so how did you know they were getting frustrated? Well, we would go out on breaks or at lunch, and Andrew and Jeff would complain about how many they were having to go through, and they didn't think they were going to be able to get through those signatures because there was too many and there was not enough of them. I do know there were times when rejected signatures that I did send to them, they actually sent them back to us because they got so overloaded for level two. 
So, because we would question, we would ask the manager, you know, I just, I just looked at this signature and I, and I rejected it. Why am I seeing the same signatures again? And so they would say, you know, the level two managers are giving, they've got too many to go through. So we're just sending them back to you to re-review and see if there isn't anything that matches. Who told you that to re-review? Um, usually it was either Tony, my supervisor, or Michelle would come in, or Celia. Because we would, it wasn't just me complaining, it was other people in my room that were complaining of how many. Because we kept having to call the managers over to come and look at the signatures of, you know, how bad they were. They weren't matching up. And, you know, what, what do I do with this? I mean, do, so they would come over and just tell us, you need to be very cautious. You need to pay attention to what you're doing and remember that whatever you reject or approve, you could be called in to testify. And I think that's why a lot of us were asking them to come over and look because there was so many bad signatures. How do you know that the signatures that had been sent up to level two were being sent back? Because we asked, you know, we had, we had noticed ones that we had already rejected were being put back into the queue. So we asked, you know, I, I just did this maybe like a half an hour ago. If it's a unique name, you're going to remember. And so a lot of us were stating, why why are we seeing these? Is this not working? What's going on? And we were told by Tony or Michelle or Loma or Celia that they kicked it back because level two had too many to go through. They just wanted to make sure, you know, for us to go back through and really verify whether or not we couldn't find a match. So who is Tony? Tony was my direct supervisor. And was he employed by Maricopa County? He's a full-time permanent employee. And you mentioned Celia? Correct. And who is she? She was the director, and she's a full-time, was a full-time permanent employee. And you mentioned a third person? Michelle, she was also a full-time permanent employee. What kind of pressure did you feel in processing signatures for signature verification during the general? I, I think we all felt really pressured when they sent back what we had already reviewed, and we really didn't feel comfortable about approving what we had already rejected. We had already went through them. So, you know, when we questioned them about it, they just told us, if you still don't feel like you can find a match, go ahead and re reject it. And I did, because I did not feel comfortable approving something that I had already rejected. We had already went through them. Did, did you ever hear of the level two reviewers complaining about the number of ballots that were being rejected and sent up for them for level two review? Yes. It was taking him quite a bit of time because he was having to go through him, Jeff, meaning Andrew and Jeff were complaining because they were having to spend more time to try and locate a signature that would match throughout their history.
And, and I, I asked, you know, I apologized to them, especially for Andrew. He was there when we started in the morning, and the next day when he would talk to us, he was there till 9 or 10, sometimes 11 o'clock at night, trying to go through level two. I know that Jeff and William always left at 5, 5.30-ish. So he was left by himself to get through those for level two. How, during what period of time in the general election did these complaints occur? All throughout. Especially for the newer people that hadn't worked the elections. They just, they didn't feel comfortable with what they were seeing and they were complaining. I mean, I know that sometimes we even, I know Jeff was keeping track like a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, because we were catching signatures of individuals that didn't even belong in the history. Meaning, it's, say if it's a John Smith and it was a woman's name or, and this wasn't a married couple, this was completely different names. So they told us to write down the voter ID, the name of the person, and to give it to Jeff, the second-level manager, and he was keeping a spreadsheet of all of those signatures. And we were told they were going to clean up the voter history to try and get rid of those out of. Because we asked, how did these even possibly get into the history? They're not even the same. They're not the same name. They weren't a relative. How did this happen? The addresses were different, everything. How do you feel your experience during the general election with the events you're just describing compared to other level one signature reviewers during the general election? Objection speculation, Your Honor. Lay some foundation if you're going to ask that. Did you have discussions with the other level one signature reviewers while you were working in the general election? We we really didn't have discussions about those specific signatures. It was you, we were so very close that you could hear them call Tony or Michelle or Aloma over to show them that that name did not belong in the history. And so that's when Sue came in and told us, you need to write down the name, the voter ID, and make sure that you give it to Jeff so that he can complete the spreadsheet, the Excel spreadsheet for us. Did, how, how did this affect the rate of processing of ballots in the general election, what you've just described, issues like that? Objection, speculation. I, I heard the comment or question generally, not just to the witness. Okay, rephrase, please. <clears throat> Did what you just described of having to talk with the managers about the ballots that shouldn't be there, how did that affect your ability to process signatures? It made me really check to verify all the points that the voter that we had the green affidavit come in matched what we were looking in the history. So when we started getting them in there, I think we spent more time trying to really make sure that this was the correct voter. Did you have discussions with your peers 
on breaks or anything like that, or did you overhear comments by other level one reviewers during the general election? Yes, they were complaining a lot about the about the a lot of the bad signatures. And the room that you were in, is it an open room or were there separate? No, it's an open room. We had cubicles, but we could see each other, talk to each other. Were the during the general election were all twenty four stations filled during the day that you could observe? Correct. There were no open seats. And did that go from morning until the close of the shift in the evening? No, once five o'clock hit, then there was less of us in room one. Because we had several people that didn't want to stay over time and went home. Would that station seat then remain empty? Yes. Do you recall uh, November 8th, Election Day? Yes. And can you describe what you saw happen on Election Day with we, the number of ballots that came in? We didn't have very many ballots on Election Day. So a lot of us were pulled to work in other departments. Um, we maybe had a few thousand to go over in the morning, and then once we finished, I, Floyd, my co-partner that sat next to me, was a Democrat, and so they usually, if we had vote numbers, they sent the two of us to go over and work adjudication. And then others were sent to SEB, which is the Special Elections Board, because they were busy. What happened after Election Day? The very, next, November 8th. the very next day, we got bombarded with, I, I'm going to say, close to 298,000 ballots that we had to go through. It was very overwhelming. <laughs> what was, did you have discussions with the level two reviewers about this? I, I think mainly just because they were complaining and we would apologize for sending over the rejected signatures that they were getting several. Again, a couple of them would say, you know, you guys are spot on. Don't stress. Don't worry. You're doing you're doing it right. We're, we're also not finding a match. And do you have, you mentioned earlier that signatures were being kicked back from level two to level one. Correct. Um, did that happen during this period when, you, as you say, you were bombarded with ballots? Yes. Can you describe in more detail what, you're, what happened? Just that we would be going through signatures and then we would notice some, one that we had just went over that had been kicked back because level two got too overwhelmed with, the, with their cues. And so they would come in and say, we are sending back the level two manager queue to you to just rechecks, check it a second time and make sure you're not missing anything. Who 
Do you know who made the determination to send the ballots back from level two to level one? You know, when we get up and say something to tell me, I'm assuming it was Celia. I cannot say that for sure, though. I just know that it was kicked back to us. How did you feel when ballots were being kicked back from level two to level one? Well, it's just adding on the same work that we'd already done. And most of us re-rejected them and sent them back to level two. And when you say most of us, who are you referring to? Within our group in room one, they were complaining. How many uh, were complaining that when you say a group of us? Maybe six, seven. Do you know what happened to the signatures that had been sent back if they were re-rejected, what happened to them? I don't know, because I could not see what level two managers were doing. How long did it take to process the 298,000 or so ballots that you say came in on November 9th? I know that we finished on Friday, the 11th. Did it surprise you that that number of ballots were processed so quickly? Yes. Why? Because it takes time to actually scroll through and go through those signatures. And the rejection, it takes even longer for the level two manager to go through the full history to try and find a match. Between November 9th and that Friday, how many level one signature reviewers did you see on those two and a half days working each day? Everyone was there, so it would have been the full 24. And how long were the work days on November 9th, 10th, and 11th? These, again, they made sure that we were out of there no later than 7. Everybody had to leave. And when you say 7, you're talking about 7 p.m.? Yes, sir. So, to your knowledge, what did, did everybody leave at 7 p.m.? To my knowledge, yes, including the night crew. So, to your knowledge, there were no level 1 reviewers after 7 p.m.? Correct. For, and that was for the 9th, 10th, and 11th of November? Correct. I know that when we got those numbers in, they had advised us that they had, um, because they, at the county recorder office, they had brought them over and had them trained by the signature specialist so that they could verify signatures. So I know that they told us, so you came in and told us that they were also working on it at the county recorder's office and also the special elections board out in their building where they were working, they were also verifying signatures out there. Did they, were you told why the normal level one reviewers were told to go home after 7 p.m. and the uh, signature review function was performed at the county recorder's office? 
No, we just we thought it was odd. Why, why did you think it was odd? Well, because we had observers that were constantly watching what we were doing, but there was, I'm assuming, no observers there who was watching what they were doing. I don't, I don't know. We just thought it was, you know, we thought they would come to where we worked at. Maybe they set up in a different area for them to verify signatures, but they didn't. They just told us they had the regular county recorder um, employees working signature bear to try and get through all of those. Did that ever, did, during the primary, you had said, uh, I believe there was a sense of urgency during the primary. Correct. They wanted to get as many ballots once the election was over cured. So meaning all the rejected ballots that the signatures didn't match, they wanted them as many as possible to be cured, meaning we were looking up in the VMO8 system to go through their full history, and then if we could not find one that matched, then we would call, look for a number to call. If it wasn't on the green affidavit envelope, we would look in the history for a phone number and try and contact the voter to verify. During the primary, Are you aware if the signature verification process was performed at the county recorder's office or any other location beyond MTEC? For the primaries, they didn't, they didn't tell us whether or not they were doing it. They did for the general because we had received so many green affidavit envelopes in from the night of the election. Would you have been, how willing would you have been to work extended hours on November 9th, 10th, and 11th to process these additional ballots? No, we would have stayed late. But again, you know, if they sent us home at 7, uh, most of the time Floyd and I, my um, partner that was a Democrat, we would run in and work um, adjudication until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Did you work late, or strike that, did level one signature reviewers work past 7 p.m. during the 2022 primary to review signatures and verify them? Yes. How late? Sometimes eight, sometimes nine, sometimes 10. It just varied on how many we had left over. Because usually they didn't want any more than two to 3,000 left in the queue for us to get to in the morning with what was coming in the next day. Did anyone else express concern? I'll strike that. Did, were there signature verification workers at level one that you know worked the primary with you and were also working the general? Yes, both in room one where I worked and also in room two. Do you know approximately how many uh, level one reviewers work both the primary and general? Maybe at the most 10. 
Are you aware of anyone else expressing concerns about why on November uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th, the uh, MTech, the, the facility for processing and verifying signatures, people were told to go home at 7 p.m., level one reviewers, for example? Yeah, we were concerned because there was so many of them to get through. And we did, we actually, several of us asked if we could stay and help with the process, but they said no. And when you say they said no, who was they? Um, Celia, Michelle, Tony, Paloma. Earlier you testified that there was a board and it showed sometimes 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 ballots to be processed each day. Mm -hmm. Do you know if that board was utilized during the November 9th and 10th and 11th? I don't know for sure. I was not in that room. After November 11th, did you continue working in a, uh, was there any level one signature review going on after November 11th, to your knowledge? No, we actually started to cure the ballots, meaning we would, we went into the VMO8 and looked through all the history. They brought in bins of ballots and they gave us a red bin for rejected signatures, a green bin for ones that we were able to find the signatures that matched. And then the white ones were ones that we, I can't, I, th I think the white ones were just that they brought them in for us to pull stacks to pr bring to our desk. When did you end your work with Maricopa on the 2022 general election? That would have been the 15th. At noon, they sent us home. Do you know whether uh, all the ballots have been completed curing at that time? No. What? There was several bins left over. I know there was several in our room, and we asked the manager, Paloma, and Tony, you know, are you sure you don't want us to stay to complete our work? And she said no. And when you say there were several bins, do you have an idea how many ballots would were left over? In our room, I'm going to estimate six to seven because we had about seven bins in our room left over. I don't know what was left in the second room, but I know there was many because they were also working on them. And when you say six to seven, you're, is that six to seven thousand? Correct. They were the very large mail bins, and they had them clear full stuffed. Did you have any discussions with your colleagues at Level 1 Signature Reviewers about being sent home? Yes, we were wondering why they were sending us home when there were still many to cure, and we still had one more day. Uh, if you all were sent home, who was going to do the curing? You know? I have no idea. Did that ever happen 
elected during the primary, 2022 primary election? No, as I stated, we stayed till the very last second to do the curing process. We were running. We were making phone calls. We were checking through the history. We were, because it, for the primary, they weren't just uh, curing their ballots through our phone calls. They were also curing them through text message. They were curing them through emails, meaning they would send in a copy of their photo ID for us to verify their signature. And then we would have to run. We would take those forms that Celia and Michelle and Tony had printed out and attach it to the ballots that were in alphabetical order. And then that would go in a separate bin for them to come and grab. They would stamp it and then forward it on to Runbeck. Your Honor, we will. Pardon me? We're, we're finished right now, Your Honor. Okay, no further questions on direct. And, Your Honor, I'm ready to begin, but I'm cognizant of the court first time. 1040, so we're about for an hour and a half, so I don't know if the court wants to break here. Yes, we'll do that right now. Okay, we'll take a, a 15 minute break um, and resume after that. Can I leave this here? Yes, ma'am. Leave it exactly there, and you can take your break and stretch your legs, whatever you'd like. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a 15-minute intermission. So I guess we'll just talk about um, what's taking place so far, because a lot of people are coming in halfway through, three-quarters of the way through. Um, basically, we just heard from one of the whistleblowers. Uh, Carrie Lake has three experts that she plans to put on the stand. One is a level one uh, signature verifier, and that's who we just heard from. There's also going to be another expert that works at the level three part of the process. And we're going to hear from Eric Spikine, the forensic expert, the paper expert, the handwriting expert. Um, this is a guy who worked behind the scenes on the Arizona audit. We actually interviewed him um, once on this channel because he discovered basically counterfeit ballots in Arizona and described the fact that Mark Burnovich and, and Karen Fan wanted nothing to do with his evidence. But this is a legitimate paper expert, and he's going to be brought in to testify. Um, so that's, that's going to be coming up. I'm not sure if we'll hear from him today or tomorrow or, or what point of this process we'll hear from him. But uh, let's talk about this whistleblower that we did just hear from. So, uh, again, she was a level one worker. And there was a couple things that she said which were attention-grabbing for me. The main thing is that she explained that the level one workers, they were flagging so many signatures that the level two workers or the managers were actually getting frustrated and sending the ballots back to level one. Now, I found that very interesting. The witness, she explained that the reason they did this was because they were getting frustrated 
They were getting overwhelmed. They were overworked. But that didn't make a lot of sense to me. My uh, interpretation of what she said is I, I don't think it was because they were frustrated and overwhelmed. I think that they were sending the ballots back to level one as a way of saying, hey, we want you to just rubber stamp these signatures. <laughs> You're flagging too many, and we're sending them back to you because we want you to approve them. I mean, why else would they do that? You don't send the ballots back to level one. You proceed to do your job. It doesn't matter how many signatures are being flagged. Uh, you're supposed to do your job as the level two. So the fact that they were sending these ballots back to level one indicates to me that they were kind of sending a message to the level one to approve signatures that were bad. Or to just, you know, stop flagging so many signatures. That's basically what the level two managers were saying. Um, so I found that very interesting. That was an attention grabber for me. And I wish Kurt Olsen would have spent a little bit more time on that and dug into it a little bit deeper because it was, it was important. Um, and also, I want you to compare and contrast, oh my goodness, Jody, Jody Baruskas just sent us $100 and said, thank you, Nick. That is extremely generous. I think that may be the largest donation we've ever gotten as a Rumble Rant, and I really, really appreciate that. And uh, of course, of course we're streaming this. You know, my whole, uh, my whole, I, I don't know what to call it, journey began with Arizona and the Arizona audit. So this is like my bread and butter, baby. Of course we're streaming this. The fight ain't over yet because Arizona doesn't have free and fair elections. Far from it. So we're here. We're showing up to work. And uh, the truth needs to be broadcasted as far and wide as it possibly can. Now, so what I was saying, you know, is, is compare and contrast this expert's testimony with what we saw from Kurt Olson in the beginning, right? So Kurt Olson, he brought up that 90-second clip of the, the level one worker that was just rapidly approving signatures. At, what, did he, what did he refer to it? Like a woodpecker, just clicking approve, approve, approve. I think he approved like 45, 50 signatures in, in 90 seconds meaning on average he was approving signatures in less than two seconds, right? And he also gave some numbers. He said there was over 274,000 ballots that were approved in less than three seconds and 70,000 ballots approved in less than one second. And there, there was – some of these people were approving ballots with a 99.7% approval rate, right? which is insane, insanely high, right? So let's, let's keep going with that. Let's dig in deeper here. So let's say on average it takes like, uh, let's give a conservative number and say on average, if you were actually doing your job, it would take at least three seconds to approve a signature, right? We have, uh, you know, so... Because I don't remember, I don't know exactly what the number is. General Bernovich, Mark Bernovich, after the Cyber Ninjas audit, he said that, you know, signature checking is one of the most important election uh, security measures that we have. 
and he evaluated in 2020 that they were approving signatures on average of two seconds, right? And that's not sufficient whatsoever. So I'm assuming that at the very least, it would take three seconds to actually do your job, right? Because what they have to do is they look at the signature on the the mail-in ballot affidavit, and they compare that to the registration signature. And I would imagine that it doesn't take that long to look at the one signature, look at the other one. If they match, I mean, it, it, it only takes two or uh, three, three, three seconds, right? I could see that being realistic. Um, but we have 70,000 ballots being approved in less than one second, 274,000 ballots being approved in less than three seconds. So at the very least, we have something like 350,000 ballots that were approved in less than three seconds, which means there was not sufficient time for them to actually evaluate the two signatures and see if they match, right? And so if you have this this number that we're given from Kurt Olson that a massive amount of these ballots were approved with a 99.97% approval rating, well, that really doesn't jive with what this expert just said, that there were so many ballots being flagged that the level two workers were being overwhelmed and being inundated, so much so that they had to send the ballots back to level one. Do you see how those two things contradict each other? Because if they're they're receiving so many flags that they're overwhelmed, then how is it possible that some of these workers are approving ballots at a 99% approval rate? Those two things contradict each other. These are the, they're looking at the same ballots. So what this means is that you had some people that were actually doing their job, flagging signatures that didn't match, and then you had other people that were just clicking approve, 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 approve. And those two things being put on the record in front of that judge spell out fraud. Right? Uh... So, so that was my big takeaway from the first expert. However, there is one problem here. There is one problem, um, and I, I, I took some notes. I'm not sure where I actually put that. Okay, here it is. So I wrote this down. One problem with her testimony is that she told Kurt Olson that these level one workers, right, if they were moving too quickly and they were approving too many ballots, then the managers would actually step in and remove them from the process. Okay, and the problem with that is it actually helps the county's argument. You know, because we played that 90-second clip. We showed an example of one person rapidly approving ballots, clearly not doing their job, clearly approving bad signatures. But then Carrie Lake's expert witness said that If they were doing that and they were caught, first they'd get a warning, and if they continued to do it, then they would be removed from the process. So that kind of makes the county look good in a way, right? Because, of course, you're going to have problems. You're going to have people not doing their job, but as long as there's some sort of security measure in place that they actually address the problem, they step in, they remove the person from the process, and then they go back and re-review 
the signatures that they were flagging at a rapid pace, uh, then, <clears throat> you know, that's that's not evidence of, of fraud and corruption. That's evidence of an actual secure process. But it's all going to come down to whether or not they actually did that. And when you consider the fact that there was, again, 70,000 ballots approved in less than one second, 274,000 ballots approved in less than three seconds, it doesn't sound like they actually did that to any substantial degree. Right? And um, so, on one hand, one of the statements she made kind of helps the county, but I hope that Kurt Olson will dig deeper into that and show that, you know, they didn't actually remove people from the process. They might have said that to them, hey, you know, if you're if you're moving too quick, you're approving too many signatures, we're going to kick you out. They might have said that to them, but that doesn't mean they actually carried it out and acted on it. You know, but we do have one problem here. We do have one problem because after Kurt Olson showed that video of the guy who was approving too many signatures, Thomas Liddy of the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, he spoke up when it was his turn to speak. He said to the judge that, um, you know, that guy was removed from the process. That very specific guy was actually kicked out of the process for approving too many signatures. So that ain't good, because <laughs> that's one of the key elements to Carrie Lake's argument here. You know, if, if we're trying to say that this was happening and they allowed it, but the guy that we used as an example was actually dealt with and kicked out, well, that doesn't help the argument. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we, have, we have a major problem here. You know, the, the task that Carrie Lake has in this trial, I want you guys to be very uh, uh, clear and aware of the bar that this judge has set and the standard that Carrie Lake has to reach in order to get the relief that she's seeking. See, Carrie Lake made an original complaint regarding the signature verification process. She said that, you know, we have whistleblowers that attest that there was ballots being flagged at level one, sent to level two, and the level two managers were overriding the flags and approving these bad ballots anyway, right? And we also have the uh, presentation from Shelby Bush from the 2020 election. She was commissioned by Karen Fan. We, the People AZ Alliance, conducted an analysis of a portion of the, uh, the, the mail-in ballot affidavits from 2020, and they found something like, I don't remember the number, but it was astronomically higher than what Maricopa County reported, uh, you know, 250 or 300,000 bad signatures or something like that. And Carrie Lake put that in her original complaint and said, look, this happened in 2020. They didn't change anything. They didn't fix anything. And therefore, it most likely happened in 2022. And we also have records which show Many of these people that had bad signatures in 2020 voted again in 2022. So reason would tell you that there's bad signatures that, uh, you know, there, there's signatures that don't match in 2022. So that was her original complaint, right? And this judge originally barred the complaint for latches, which means 
you know, you're you're challenging the process itself, which you're not allowed to do after an election. Therefore, you're filing this complaint too late. And he dismissed it on latches. Well, the Supreme Court overturned that, sent it back to Judge Thompson. And so now he's forced to reconsider the evidence. And he decided, all right, I'm going to allow this to go to trial, right? I'm going to allow Carrie Lake to present evidence at trial that there was – she make, make her argument regarding count three. However, this judge took her original complaint and completely disregarded her actual argument and the evidence that she wants to put forth and created this absolutely ridiculous burden this standard of evidence, which flies in the face of all logic, what this judge is asking Carrie Lake to do is, is to prove that there was no signature verification done whatsoever at level two or at level three. Right? So he's saying, all right, Carrie Lake, I'm going to let your uh, count three go to trial. And what I want you to do is prove to me that there was no signature verification done at all at level two or level three. And do you see why that's problematic? Because that's not what Carrie Lake said in her original complaint. Not once did she say there was no signature verification done at all. Her complaint was that there was problems on a large portion of ballots at all three levels. And so, what he, exactly, Bunny, he's trying to make it impossible. This judge has set an impossible standard for, for Carrie Lake to meet. In fact, I want to read you the actual order so that you can hear it for yourself. Because, I mean, some of you guys are really astute out there. And, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can understand this a little better if I just actually read it. So this is a portion of the judge's order. He said, as was said in this court's order of December 19th, 2022, whether Maricopa County comply with the EPM and statutes governing elections is a question of fact. Lake has narrowed her claim to that complained of in Reyes, which is a court precedent, another case. And she must demonstrate at trial, pursuant to her concessions, that Maricopa County's Higher-level signature reviewers conducted conducted no signature verification or curing, and in so doing, had systematically failed to material com materially comply with the law. And he actually underlined the word no, conducted no signature verification. This, of course, he goes on, in addition to the requirement that she prove that this alleged complete failure to conduct signature verification resulted in a change in the outcome of the gubernatorial election proven by competent mathematical uh, by competent mathematical basis all this must be done by clear and convincing evidence so this judge in his order said that that Lake has narrowed her claim to that complaint of in Reyes However, Carrie Lake never narrowed her complaint to that of In Reyes. He just pulled this out of his ass, completely made this up, and put Carrie Lake into a box 
knowing that this standard is, is impossible for her to reach. Now, Carrie Lake and her attorney, uh, Kurt Olson, actually attempted to fight this. And I believe they filed a motion seeking, uh, you know, oral argument on this very subject prior to the trial, but we never got a response as far as I know from the judge. So we just blatantly ignored it and, and maintained this standard. And so we get to the trial, and Kurt Olson has a, a Herculean task at hand to try to meet this impossible standard, right? And, and, and when we get to the beginning, uh, Kurt Olson is attempting to make an argument that, you know, the fact that they were just clicking approve, you know, rapidly without actually looking at the signatures, that means that there was no signature verification done. But, you know, while I, I, I you know, I, I think that uh, Kurt Olson's attempt here is grounded in logic, I still think this judge is going to side with the county. And, I, you know, I said, I talked about this all day yesterday, how I'm just simply not that optimistic about this, because th this judge has already proven to us through numerous decisions that he is, he's here to basically look the other way and allow the county to uh, blatantly defy the law and allow a rigged election to stand. That's, that's what he's proven to us already by the fact that he ignored all the evidence at the original trial from, you know, Clay Parikh and, you know, Maricopa County even admitted there was no chain of custody on over 200,000, I think like 300,000 ballots before they went to run back. Um, he ignored the fact that Scott Jarrett, the Maricopa County election director, contradicted himself under oath regarding the 19-inch ballot images on 20-inch paper. He dismissed 8 out of 10 of Lake's original uh, challenges, only allowed two of them to go to trial, he, in, including the count that we're addressing now, which was overturned by the Supreme Court. And then when we get to the trial uh, regarding the signature verification claim that was overturned by the Supreme Court, you know, Carrie Lake and, and her attorneys filed a motion for reconsideration regarding the logic and accuracy count based on new evidence that the county conducted secret tests, knew that 260 of the machines would break down on Election Day and conducted the election on those machines anyway, and the judge completely dismissed that, said, I don't want that in my courtroom. You know, he's not going to allow that evidence to be submitted in his courtroom because, as he stated, it doesn't fit within the scope of the clear and convincing standard which he set, which is a, a, a complete made, a, a completely made-up legal standard that he pulled out of his ass once again. So this guy is scum and compromised, as B. Fair said in the chat. You're absolutely right. Okay, it looks like we're back on from the intermission here. Be sure to smash that like button and subscribe if you haven't already. And again, I want to really, really say thank you to Jody for that uh, Rumble rant. I cannot, ex I can't express to you 
how grateful I am. That really means a lot to me. Thank you. All right. So, oh, I turned the sound off. Here we go. The county in the primary and the general election. Is that correct? All right. Okay. I'm just going to focus on the general election. So, you know, the, the no that, uh, member period um, uh, for, for our, our discussion here. Now, the training you participated in, when did that occur? Do you recall the month? That would have been in June. June. Now, did you maybe the beginning of July is when we started? And that was for the primary and general election, is that correct? Correct, but my training was done during the primary. Okay. Now, what's your background? Um, what did you do in a prior employment? Well, I, when my children were little, I worked at the YMCA as a preschool teacher. And then as they grew older, I was a manager for Marie Callender's for many years. And then I worked at Lifetime Fitness as a manager in the cafe. Um, and while I was working at Lifetime Fitness, I went to school and got my medical assistance. And I started working for a neurologist shortly after I graduated for five years. After that, can I? Well, well side note, neurologist, doctor, hand signatures, better or worse than what you saw? I'm going to say a lot worse. Okay, that's good to know. They usually had a stamp. Okay. So... Um, outside from deciphering the the doctors you worked with, did you have any do you have any prior experience with signature verification or um, uh, understanding how signatures are loop dotted and and so forth? No. Okay. And so this training you received in June is was your first exposure to this sort of, for lack of a better word, science. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, so you had testified that the training, in, in your belief, that was to follow the laws and to do the job, but it was also to teach you how to um, review signatures, the characteristics of signatures, so forth. That is correct. Okay. Um, and you still have Exhibit 46 in front of you? Yes. Um, and the, the, the record, or the... I believe at the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see what's called a bait stamp. Um, I'm talking about specifically Lake 8-432. This was your exposure, your, your teachings um, on signatures and signature verification. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Um, and I noted that you said you came into this position wanting to do a good job because you wanted your children's vote to count. Is that, is that an accurate statement? My children and my grandchildren. Okay. Congrats on grandchildren. Um, did you take that mentality, that, um, uh, that mentality with you as you reviewed these signatures? You know, I was very focused in on verifying signatures, doing the right job, in on 
verifying signatures, doing the right job, and making sure whether or not the signature matched. You answered my bad. You answered my bad question. So, is it safe to, um, based on your training, um, do you understand that when a signature is verified, uh, is determined consistent, that that ballot then is um, removed and then directed towards tabulation for counting? So once a signature was verified that it was good? Yes. Then they would take the green affidavit and send over, once when the computer system, my understanding was then the next morning we would have those, okay, wait, can you rephrase that so I don't? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And anytime I ask a poor question, I'm, I'm bound to do it. Um, please ask me um, so we can, we can be on the same page here. What is your, under, based off your training, what is your understanding of what happens to the ballot so once you verify it as a good signature? Then it was sent over to run back the, I guess, a list of which were good signatures, and those green affidavit envelopes would come over the next morning usually, and then it was um, sent over to ballot processing to open the ballots and count them. Okay, so it's your understanding that the process would end up with that ballot being counted. Correct. So is it safe to say that you wanted to ensure that the signatures on the affidavit were consistent with the voter, the, the signatures you were viewing so that that person's ballot could be uh, counted? So we usually would have to scroll down to verify, and as I said again, it was a combination of voter registration forms, past voter registration forms for um, prior uh, green affidavit envelopes. And if again, if the signature matched, we would approve it. If not, it was rejected and sent to level two. Okay, that's fair. Um, I want to ask you about your training, uh, the training you went through. Did part of that training... Um, or the instructor, I should say, did that instructor instruct you to review your 250 um, signature batch before you clicked the green button to move on to the next batch? We actually had to go through it twice. So it would go forward. Once we got to the end of the 250, then we'd actually have to go back, backwards through the 250 just to make sure we weren't missing anything. So if it was a rejected, I would scroll down and verify whether or not that signature matched. And when you say verify, are you verifying what you're already... past history, I'd have to scroll down. And it was, again, a combination of voter registration forms or prior green affidavit envelopes. So am I... Is it correct for me to say that... Even though the title is level one, uh, well, sorry, strike that. Is it correct for me to say that in your role as a title, a level one signature review, you are actually reviewing your batches of 250 twice? That is correct. Now, as you process more ballots, 
could you first review the initial signature, go through your initial signature review quicker than before? My question's poor. Just yell at yes. Can you read? I'm sorry. No. My question. Um, by the end of your time with the county, were you more efficient at reviewing signatures than before? I don't know that I would call it efficient. I probably took my time to make sure because, you, again, you have to scroll through those signatures. Sometimes it was handwritten and then they would have a cursive or maybe it was just a star or two S's. So when we had called a manager over, I had asked her, you know, I, this clearly doesn't match the three that I have to verify off of. And so Tony, Michelle, Aloma, or Celia would say, you know, if you see a curvature at the beginning of the signature or at the end, you can approve it. If not, if you don't feel comfortable, then reject it. And most of the time I would reject it. I did not feel comfortable with that. Okay. This second review, could you do it quicker than the first review? No, I did not do it quicker than the first review. We, so that you know, at the very beginning, so you came in because we were having a lot of problems with the signatures and advise us, remember, whatever you approve or reject, you could be called in to testify. So you need to make sure that you're really checking the signatures out before approving or rejecting. So we all know the phrase, and it's, I think it's correct to say, your focus was on quality of signatures, not the quantity of signatures. Is that correct? That is correct. You could probably do it quicker, and by it I mean review this second, this, this second review quicker, but your focus was on the quality of the signatures. That is correct. And from what you just said in your discussion with uh, Mr. Olson, it sounds like this um, this desire for quality over quantity was not just with you, but with the managers who you were engaging with. Is that fair? I'm not sure what they were thinking. Okay. I just know the way of what I was thinking. You previously testified that um, they wanted you to be the managers, um, the three managers you had discussed um, with Mr. Olson, that they wanted you to be cautious, to pay attention, and to really verify those signatures. Is that correct? That is correct. And you did the best job that you could. With the information I was given. Yes. And that's all the information you had was those three signatures, correct? When we did the curing of the ballots, no, I had full so like access a, to the like level one signatures. You were just at the level one signature stage. You testified you just had those three signatures that you could view, correct? No, because at one point, when the bins were brought in, we're still verifying signatures. Celia had us go back through the signatures and and stated, 
I want you to go into the VMO8. You could have missed something now that we have the live ballot. I want you to go in and go through the full history. If you see one that matches, please bring it to the manager and show them so that they may stamp it and forward it. Okay. If it was a good signature. When you say VMO8, Dan, Celia, is that talking about the curing process? No. Um, you described, um, or you discussed with Mr. Olson that you were not the only level one, um, uh, signature reviewer. There was a, a group of you. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Some of these, some of these signatures were difficult to review. Maybe you saw your neural, your an old doctor. It, with a, uh, a difficult signature, um, what did your training, your June training, teach you to do? What was that analysis you performed? If if it was a bad signature, I went through the history. You know, there's there's certain. Curly cues at the beginning of the um, signature, curly cues at the end sometimes, the way that the signature was swayed either to the right or to the left, but sometimes it didn't match at all. And as I stated, I, I would call the manager over. I'd raise my hand and call one of the managers over to look at it. And, but it's correct to say that some of these signature Ballot, uh, affidavit ballot affidavit envelopes, um, you approved as good signatures. Is that correct? There were some that were good, yes. Um, there was discussion about level two reviewers and managers. Um, you were not a level two, sorry, you were not assigned as a level two reviewer, correct? That is correct. You just engaged with them. Well, I think that we were doing level two when we were going back through the history. And part of that, um, when you, as you engaged with them, they directed you to, if you couldn't find a match on a re-review, so then... Re-reject it. Re-reject it. Yeah. Um, level three, are you aware that level three is an audit level? I, I, like, like I said, I don't know who worked level three. I just know we were informed several times throughout working that we were being audited every day. And if we were approving too many signatures or rejecting too many signatures, we'd be pulled into the office, given a warning, talked to, and if it happened a second time, we'd be let go. I never, I never was called into the office or talked to. Um, there was some testimony about uh, curing. Did you, you participate in this curing process? Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. There was a, a comment at the beginning of this trial that said um, that the county recorder was simply not performing verification. Um, 
Can you rephrase that? You're saying the county recorder, or are you speaking in regards to MTech? Fair question. Sorry. No, fair question. There was a statement made earlier that the county, the county recorder, MTech, was simply not performing performing signature verifications, and that signatures were not being reviewed at all. Would you agree with that statement, given your prior testimony? At, at what level? I mean... Ms. Onakai, so you explained to us that you reviewed signatures. That is correct. Good signatures, some of those signatures, and you rejected some signatures. Is that fair? That is correct. Right. So did you perform your obligation as a level, your duty as a level one signature verification to verify signatures? Yes, I did. No further questions, Your Honor. Okay, there's no other defendants that have cross-examination. Am I correct? I think from the Secretary of State, Your Honor. Thank you. I think from the Governor, Your Honor. Thank you. Very well. Uh, just a brief redirect, Your Honor. I think we're, we're back to redirect. Thank you, Ms. Schultz. If somebody told you that a Level 1 reviewer reviewed 26,900 signatures with a 100% pass rate at an average of less than three seconds per signature verified. Would you say that's signature verification as you've been trained in Maricopa? Objection, speculation. <laughs> Lack of foundation. It's a hypothetical, Your Honor. Hypothetical. It gets beyond the scope of the cross. Well, I get it, but I think that it is. I think she he rephrased the question, if what you're backtracking to was, did you perform your duty as a level one signature verification person? And your question, I believe, goes beyond the scope of cross. Ms. Seneca, you were also asking questions about scrolling on the video screen. And that is correct. Scrolling forward, and then at the end of the review of the batch, you would have to go back. That is correct. Could you queue up Exhibit 19, please, at the beginning? Well, demonstrative, excuse me. What has been marked as Exhibit 19? Is it a demonstrative or an exhibit? It's a demonstrative right now, so my apologies. Okay. Is that the beginning? Yes. Take it back to the beginning, please. You see the video screen of the uh, gentleman with the left monitor? Yes. Yeah. You can stop yeah. there. Um, I object to using this document or this video. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this isn't an accumulation of things, this is an attempt to show a video and use it to get test witness from a testimony about an incident or situation. It has nothing to do with anything she has personal knowledge of. It's inappropriate to use it, but it can't be used. I haven't heard the question yet, so I'll wait until the question, but ma'am, I know there's going to be an objection, so don't answer the question until I have a chance to deal with the objection, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. Ask your question. You've watched that video. Is that signature verification? 
as you've been trained. Your Honor, I, I, Does that depict signature verification that you were trained? Did you watch the video, Ms. Anakai? Yes. Okay. Did you see the screens flashing forward? I appreciate your honor objection before you continue. Well, I think he's going to follow it with a question. I'm letting him lay a little bit of foundation before I get to the objection and the ultimate question he wants to ask. Did that, did that video depict the same uh, setup that you had when you performed level one signature review? Yes. Do you understand what was being depicted from that video? Where are we headed here? Laying a quick foundation, Your Honor. Right. But you're asking her if she understands what her understanding is is not an appropriate question. Your Honor, I also want to object. This video has not been authenticated. We don't know what that is on that video. We don't know if okay. it's loop. We don't know if it's cut. We have no idea what we're looking at. And more importantly, she testified she saw it, but I'll remind the court, she was not in here when it was played earlier. We invoke the rule of exclusion. When did she see it? Ms. Onikai, when did you see that video? Right now. Did you see that video before? I just saw it right now. I think that's what she was talking about. Okay. Counsel had said, did you see that video and, or did not see the video, and she was looking at the screen. She's testified now that she's seen it, and it's, I believe, it was projected on your screen. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, your Honor, and you're, we hadn't played that. I, this is why this entire line of questioning, respectfully, is inappropriate. Respectfully, Your Honor, the witness is saying it was on her screen. It had wait, 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 wait. Before we go back and forth, back and forth, I don't believe what was played, the entire thing that was played for me in opening was played, it couldn't have been, in those a couple seconds. And so if there's a problem here with what's being portrayed and what you're going to ask her, um, that she <clears throat> understands from watching the video, at least she's got to see the entire video before we even get to the question of what you want to ask her about it. So if you want to play it for her, I'll let you do that now, and then we will have question and objection after that, okay? Yeah. Understanding that it has not been admitted into evidence, it's something that... Hopefully, you're trying to lay some foundation for. Am I right? Yes, Your Honor. Okay. And you'll avow to me, you'll avow to me that you intend to link this up later by establishing the foundation for the video to be admitted. Yes, Your Honor. Including, Your Honor, if I may, authentication and including how it was created, who created it, whether it's cut and paste. I, I don't know. I don't right. know where this has come from. I have no idea. That is included in foundation, and did you understand that? Yes, sir. That's his avowal. I'll take it as an officer of the court. We'll play the video for her if you'd like to, and then you'll ask your question. Yes, sir. Can you play it from the beginning, please? 
Did you see the timestamp on that video, Mr. Anakai? I was actually paying more attention to the what was. I represent your honor. It was November tenth, twenty twenty-two. Well, that's testifying. <laughs> that's what it said. But yes, yeah, that's testifying. It, it, it'll it, it, it'll speak for itself. Um, she testified she didn't see it, the timestamp. So. I was paying more attention to what they were doing. Understood. I apologize. Did you see two stations on that video? Yes, sir. Okay. You earlier testified about when signatures were being reviewed that it would have to scroll down. Do you recall that? That is correct. What did you see on that video? The person on the right was doing it correctly, and the person on the left was not. And why do you say the person on the left was not? 
he's, there's no possible way to click through that and be able to verify from the past history in order to verify that signature, regardless if you're going forward through the 250 or backwards through the 250. We were told to scroll down and make sure that we verify the present green affidavit with the past history affidavits. We didn't spend any time verifying the signature. So the, the video on the right, what did uh, the video of the station on the right, what about the computer screen told you that it was being, signature verification was being done properly? She was scrolling up and down, checking the signatures on the past history, either a combination of voter registration forms or the green affidavit. Did you see any managers enter the room on that video? Objection, speculation. They were slurred. There'd have to be foundation for that, and, and we're, I think we're, we're edging further and further from the scope of cross. One question, Your Honor, if I may. Ask it. Okay. Did you recognize anybody in that video? It's a yes or no question. <laughs> yes. Uh, who, who did you recognize? Celia Neighbor. And then also the person on the left was Stephen. I'm not sure who the person on the right was. Okay. Thank you, Ron. Remember the name. Okay. All right. May we excuse the witness? You want to take a Your Honor. Well, I asked you, may we excuse the witness? Is this? Your Honor, before you, before you excuse the witness, the county wants to object to this entire line of questioning that took place as being beyond the scope of his uh, cross-examination. What he asked the witness, what Mr. O'Connor asked the witness, was whether she personally did signature verification correctly. He did not ask whether anyone else did. Um, and so what just transpired here was beyond the scope. And I think that we should be allowed a few questions um, on re-redirect to discuss just this video. Sure, I will say it's not beyond the scope. Council was asking about backward that constitutes signature. The county's really upset right now because Kurt Olson just asked the witness if she recognized anyone in the video, and she identified one of the managers, Cecilia. And this contradicts what the county said prior, which is that if someone was rapidly approving signatures, the managers would step in, and this video indicates that they did not. We're not even sure this was ever properly authenticated. We think we were still in the process of it ever being actually authenticated. Um, and to the extent that the witness identified anyone in the video based on what everyone was blurred out, um, it's kind of a common sense objection, kind of thing. Secretary, sorry. Join, um, I join your honor. I think that it's inappropriate to have gone into that line of questioning. I do appreciate and understand why the court gave counsel leeway, but I don't think you got anywhere near what was going on in Cross. And I would ask the court to either strike it or give our colleagues here with the county attorney's office an opportunity to redirect her, I suppose, uh, for lack of a better term. So they know the video's damning, and they're trying to say that we haven't authenticated this video. They're not focusing on what the actual video shows. They're trying to get the video, uh, the, the authenticity of the video ch uh, in, into question. And that just tells you that the evidence in the video is damning.
purposes. I knew about to need to link it up later. That's not the focus of what I'm concerned about. It's whether it goes beyond the scope of cross. And the questions were asked about going forward and backwards in direct, I mean, in cross-examination. So that was an example of going backwards and forwards. She was looking at the screens. She said the one on the left doesn't appear to be doing what I understand to be scrolling up and down appropriately. The one on the right was doing that. Okay. To the extent that... Ah, brilliant catch from Doa Chisel, who says, in the opening statement, Hobbs' attorney said this guy from the video was known to be removed from his position. That's what the county attorney said. So... How has this? How has the video not been authenticated? If the county attorney seems to know that this guy in the video was removed, <laughs> good catch. Who is the next witness? Honor plaintiffs will call Chris Hansen. Okay. I think this guy was part of the curing process at level three. Chris Hansen was the name? Mr. Hansen? You'll come forward, sir, and just stand. This is my clerk right here. If you'll come forward and stand in front of her, raise your right hand, she's going to swear you in, sir. Thank you, you, sir. If you'll make your way around to the witness stand. Did you guys hear the county attorney in cross-examination try to um, make the argument that, you know, even though a bunch of signatures were bad uh, and, and were being approved, at the end of the day, the ballots were still counted, right? Would you please state your full name for the record? Christopher Barry Hansel. And what is your general understanding of why you are here to testify to today? I'm here to talk about uh, my part in acquiring the data that's uh, become important to this trial. What, what data are you referring to? It's uh, data that uh, I received as a result of a public records request that I submitted to the county of Maricopa. I'd just like to ask a few background questions first. Uh, do you live in Arizona? I do. How long have you lived in Arizona? About two years. Where did you live before that? I uh, lived in um, California and the state of Washington. Do you have any college degrees? I do. I have a Bachelor of Science in Electronic Engineering. Can you go through your work histories from, say, 2006 to the present? I have a, uh, a business. I provide um, software services for custom business software and database design. And have you done that since 2006? Since 2006, yes. And are you on your own, or do you have a company? I have a company, and I have uh, contract workers that work with me from time to time, but mostly I'm on my own. Uh, do you have any other uh, positions of uh, responsibility when, within any political parties? 
Yes, I'm the executive director for the Maricopa County uh, Republican Party. It's really a fancy title for assistant to the chair. Do you work at, uh, have you ever heard of We the People AZ Alliance? Yes, I'm a member of that organization and I am the uh, data and technology director for We the People AZ Alliance. How long have you been the data and technology director for uh, We the People AZ Alliance? I've been a member of the organization for about a year and a half, and um, for most of that time they've uh, entrusted that uh, responsibility to me. Have you performed any projects for We the People AZ Alliance? We have, um, we have the... Um, the data and the, the envelope images and the reference images for the 2022 election and my part in that project has been to, I designed the software that we use to analyze those and I architected the system, the secure system that we have that, uh, that holds those images and provides the ability to analyze them. CanCon and Behizzi in the chat. Have you received any training from Maricopa on any election related activities? Yes, I attended the um, the training for uh, signature verification for the primary, and um, and worked in the recorder's office for um, for uh, right before the right before the primary election, but then did not end up working for the working in signature verification during the primary. You mentioned you had architected the program for We the People. Uh, we the People AZ Alliance regarding signature verification? Yes. What did that entail? So we have a secure system that, um, that holds the, uh, the reference images for signature verification as well as the envelope images, the affidavit envelope images. So we have that on a, on a remote server, and then we have a connection to that server at a couple of facilities, and those are secure facilities that um, provide access to those images to be able to perform signature verification um, at each one of those locations. And so we, the people, Easy Alliance, is conducting signature verification of actual ballot envelope signature images and the actual record data from Maricopa County or the state? The um, We the People AZ Alliance was commissioned by the Arizona Senate to do further investigation of the materials that came out of the audit. And that was one of the materials that came for the audit is the, the reference images and the envelope images from the 2020 election. Yes. Do you have an understanding as well? Hold on just a second. Your Honor, objection, relevance. He's talking about the 2020 election and review of uh, signature affidavits from the 2020 election. Okay. Do you have an avowal that you're going to link this up? Yes, Your Honor. Your Honor, the governor also objects on the grounds that to the extent the witness is going to purport to testify on any expertise, he has not been disclosed as a witness. And this is as an expert. As an ex I'm sorry, as an expert. We're not offering him as an expert, Your Honor. Technical backgrounds on highly technical. Yeah. 
technical expertise. He was not disclosed as an expert, but touching on technical things should move on to our trial time more efficiently. Okay, thank you. And then all the defendants want to join the objections? <laughs> so noted. This appears to be expert testimony. He's testified that he is the person that designed the software that analyzed the data and performed the signature verification audit. I think this is where this is going. The questioning is, you're going to ask him what the outcome of that was. No, Your Honor, I wasn't. I was merely laying background. I wasn't going to ask him what the outcome was. I'd sustain all of this on an objection for relevance if you're not going to link it up. I think maybe I should ask what you were referring to when you said what the outcome. Well, let's talk about the expert part of this first. Is It appears to he's testifying as an expert. A fact witness would be your last witness who testified about things that were observed, seen, heard, experienced firsthand. This witness is testifying about scientific evaluations and studies and things that were done through software. That's, that's the testimony. It's not a fact witness. That's every expert's a fact witness because of, they'll testify to what facts were. So, Tell me where this is where this is going. You said you weren't going to link this up. Um, so while they're uh, dealing with this situation, Monkey Bomb Studios wants to know who this guy is, Chris Hansen. I was wrong when I said that the next expert will be the level three um, signature verifier. Chris Hansen is actually a member of We the People AC Alliance um, and. We the People actually conducted an analysis of the 2020 ballot, uh, mail-in ballot envelopes. So um, Chris Hansen is going to be testifying about that, I believe. And the county is trying to say that he is making technical statements, even though he's not being presented as an expert witness, and they want that stricken from the record. Ooh gather data from Maricopa, Maricopa County regarding the election activities? Yes, I'm part of the, I'm part of the process for, uh, for um, uh, We the People AZ Alliance for collecting data through public records requests. Did you issue a public records request on or about February 3rd to Maricopa County? Yes, I did. It was um, a, a request for information from signature verification from the 2022 election. It's the public records request that became the Maricopa County number 1482. Hansel. On the screen is a document that's been marked for identification as Exhibit 21. Do you recognize this document? Yes, I wrote the four bullet points in this document. And is this the public records request number 14? 
82? It is the one that became 1482, yes. Does this appear to be a true and accurate copy of the public records request that you signed? Yes, it does. Objection, Your Honor. This uh, Exhibit 21 is longer than this one page. Well, or two pages. It's there's there isn't. That's fine. Long email attached to it. Mr. Olson, can you hand him Exhibit 21? Let him look through it and ask him that same question, please. My pleasure, Your Honor. Maybe the clerk's copy up here that you can use, the one that's marked. That'll take care of any discrepancy. Please, yes. Mr. Hansel, you've just been handed a document that's been marked for identification as Exhibit 21. Take a moment to review it as you are. This is familiar. Pardon me? I'm sorry. I didn't hear your answer. This is familiar. Is Exhibit 20, the document marked for identification as Exhibit 21, a true and accurate copy of the original? Yes, it appears to be. And Exhibit 21 is a multi-page document. There's also an attachment to the letter? Yes. And are you identified as the author or recipient of any of those attachments? I am the author of the conversation on the side of We the People AZ Alliance, yes. And does this appear to be a true and accurate copy of those email exchanges? Yes, it does. Your Honor, at this time, I'd like to move for admission. Your Honor, I'm going to object on foundation grounds. This lengthy email exchange includes, um, and I have a color copy. I don't know if the court has a color copy. There, there seem to be sort of interspersed um, conversations by things written by different people, um, some of whom are members of the uh, Maricopa County Recorder's Office. It's not uh, wholly clear who wrote what. And it is also, um, the original letter was by, not by Mr. Hansel, but by Shelby Bush. Excuse me, Your Honor. The governor also objects to the extent that this is, well, this extensive back and forth is hearsay and offered for the truth of the matter asserted. Um, beyond that, we think that it's outside the scope of the trial um, and is irrelevant to the extent that this is about public records requests and not about whether Signature verifications happen at levels one, two, and three. Thank you. Okay. Is this being offered to show the public records request that was actually made? Yes, Your Honor. And the receipt of the data, which is Exhibit 20. Okay. Is there a dis... Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll stipulate to the fact that they submitted a public records request. Okay. But this exhibit, according to Mr. Olson, also shows... Uh, data that was provided in a response? Yes. This exhibit shows the email exchange between Mr. Hansel and the custodian at Maricopa regarding the responses to Public Records Act requests, and then ultimately the date at which the Maricopa County fulfilled that request. 
And what you're seeking to prove is the request was made, the date it was made, and the date it was fulfilled? And that the information was provided as stated in that email. Okay. Any objection? No objection to that. Okay. Exhibit 21, that's admitted. Thank you, Ron. With respect to the public records request number 1482, do you recall when you received that data from the county? We went through several iterations before I finally received a file that was um, close to what I requested, and or close to what I requested on, a, on about April 26th. And how did you receive that? data on, on April 26th. It was made available on a download portal. I logged onto the portal with the uh, password that I was given, downloaded that onto my computer. It uh, downloaded in a zip file, and the data it came in, a, in the format of a, a CSV file that was in the zip file, then I removed that, and the, the data was then available to me. Who provided that data to you? The, um, my interactions have been with the Maricopa County um, records custodian. So that's who it is that uh, provided the email and the download link and the password. Your Honor, Exhibit 20 is a CD-ROM. There's not really much to present to the witness. Um, but I would like to question the witness about that briefly to establish a foundation. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. I, I object, Your Honor. We're going to question this about an exhibit we're not looking at. It's highly inappropriate. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I'm hoping. Proceed, Mr. Olson, and then if there's specific questions that we have a problem with, we'll address them. Mr. Hansel, are you familiar with what has been marked for identification as plaintiff's exhibit 20? I'm sorry, what is. The witness doesn't have Exhibit 20. I don't know how he would answer the question. I see. Okay. I'm going to allow him some leeway to establish the foundation. You understood that question? You can answer it, sir. If this is 20, then yes. And what is Exhibit 20? This, this is the file that I removed from the zip file and then had available to me for processing. And is Exhibit 20, to your knowledge, a true and accurate copy of the data that you received from Maricopa County on April 26, 2023? Yes, the information I submitted for 20 is a true and accurate copy. Objection Foundation. The okay. I'll sustain it. You can ask him how he knows that. How do you know that's a true and accurate copy? Mr. Hansel. I'm familiar with the chain of custody when, um, when I provided the file and, uh, and I reviewed the CD-ROM that the, uh, the information went on um, after it was copied onto the CD-ROM. Objection. Again, foundation, this is, I don't know how many lines there are, but I think it might be hundreds of thousands. And the, I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know what this is. And I don't understand how the witness can testify to what it is. 
Uh, this is data that was provided by Maricopa County, for one thing. I understand all that, but there, Ali God from, he testified that he downloaded it, and it was placed on a CD-ROM, if, so I, I'm, and then you brought the CD-ROM to court and remarked it as an exhibit. So, um, he's looked at the files and said this appears to be what the data was that was downloaded by me. Uh, so. I just need some level of assurance that what's on the ROM, I don't know who downloaded this CD-ROM and who created it, and then how it got to my courtroom from being downloaded. So that's the foundation that I think we need. So if you can lay that, go ahead. You can feel it before he's asked. Mr. Hansel, did you oversee the creation of the CD-ROM and the transfer of the data onto that CD-ROM? Yes, I observed each step of the process and verified the data on the CD-ROM after it was um, transferred to the to the CD-ROM. And was the uh, data transferred onto the CD-ROM also provided uh, to defense counsel via any link? Objection. I don't know how Mr. Hansel would know the answer to that question. I don't know if he knows if it's, how it's relevant to foundation, but <laughs> let's stick with foundation for just right now. So I'll overrule the question on, or sustain the objection, but as to relevance, let's stick with, he oversaw the CD being created. Next question. How have you verified that the data CD-ROM is the data that you originally downloaded from Maricopa County on April 26, 2023. I, I, I observed the chain of custody from, from when it left my computer to the CD-ROM. I verified the, the format, I verified the, the columns, and I verified the, the, size of the, the size of the file. He's offering it again. Any objection? <laughs> Just re-urging the same objections we've made so far. Okay. All right. I'm going to admit it over the objection. Um, so, next. Thank you. Uh, we have no further questions at this time, Your Honor. Do you have any cross for this witness, any of the defendants? Just confirm that they know no, Your Honor, no, no cross okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Therefore, no redirect, and may we excuse this witness. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Hansel, you're free to go. Okay. We're going to take the afternoon recess. We're going to resume at 1.30. Uh, so we'll be adjourned until that time.
All right, so they're adjourning until 1.30, which, hang on a second. Okay, so that's 30 minutes. I'm in Florida time, so it's a little confusing. Um, but so I guess that's a 30-minute recess. And I'm actually thinking I might need a little recess myself here because my brain is a little fried. Uh, I'm not completely sure what exactly the intent was behind that uh, witness, submit a public records request. Uh, he received data from the county recorders, county recorder's office on April 26th. I don't know. What did I miss? What did I miss with that expert uh, that just testified? Because I was multitasking a little bit. So I'm looking at the chat. Can somebody explain to me why he was called to the stand and what was the significance there? Um, anyways, so... So far, we've had the level one signature verifier testify that there was a lot of uh, ballots being flagged at level one, being sent to level two, and then sent back to level one because they said they were overwhelmed. And they wanted the level one to basically rubber stamp the signatures. We had that 90-second video submitted into the record, which uh, basically showed one of the level one workers rapidly approving signatures, right? And I think he approved 50 signatures in 90 seconds. And then after they played that video for the expert witness one, Kurt Olson gave her a line of questioning, which was very important, right? And basically what he asked is, you know, after seeing this video, what do you think was going on here? Do you think that this guy was doing his job as you were trained to do. I mean, considering you're a level one worker and received the same training, after watching this video, what do you think? Did this guy actually conduct a signature review on these ballots? And she said, absolutely not. There's no way. It would be impossible. Because in their training, they are specifically instructed to scroll down on, I, I believe, every ballot. So there's actually um, several checks that they're supposed to do. The first check is matching the signature on the ballot affidavit to the, the signature on file in their voter registration. So that's the first check. And I believe that's on the, the first screen. But the second check that they're supposed to do is scroll down and look at the signatures from the prior affidavit envelopes from previous elections. And so what she said to Kurt Olson in response is it's impossible that this guy was doing his job because he didn't scroll down at all. That's what we're trained to do. And so this 90-second clip shows that this guy was approving signatures. Um, bad signatures. I mean... Obviously, he's approving bad signatures, and he was not doing his job. And therefore, there was no signature verification done on these ballots. And again, that's uh, what Kurt Olson is trying to prove here, that there was no signature verification done on more ballots than this 17,000, 18,000 margin of victory between Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs. So I believe that he made a... Uh, a solid argument 
which actually fits within the scope of the standards set by Judge Thompson. If he can further, if he can draw an inference that, okay, we have one example of a guy not actually doing a signature verification and then extrapolate that to, uh, you know, at least 18,000 ballots, then I guess that would meet Judge Thompson's standard of proving that there was no signature verification done whatsoever. Now, there was one thing, one other thing that was very important about that video. So Kurt Olson, when he was asking this level one signature verifier uh, about the video, he specifically asked her if she recognized anyone in the video. And she said yes. And he said, okay, who do you recognize? And she named somebody um, Cecilia. Now, Cecilia is, I believe, one of the managers at level two. Okay, so she identified that she saw Cecilia in the video. And the reason that's so important is because let's go back to the beginning of the trial. When they first showed this video, Maricopa County's attorney, Thomas Liddy, said that um, this person was actually removed from the process for approving signatures too fast. Thomas Liddy said that he was removed from the process, and they said that, you know, if anyone was caught approving too many signatures too fast, they would first get a warning, and then they would be kicked out. That's what the county said. But in this video, we see a guy approving signatures rapidly, not doing his job, and Cecilia is right there in the video, the manager, who's supposed to step in and intervene. And she didn't do that, at least not in this video. That was very important. Now, I guess we'll later find out whether or not um, Cecilia stepped in, you know, after the video was taken or something like that. But as it stands, I, I think that uh, Kurt Olson really wiped the floor with Maricopa County in this argument that they're trying to make. That was, that was pretty good. That was, that was a pretty uh, important piece of the trial so far. Um, so what else can we say about what we've seen so far? Again, I'm, I'm going to take an opportunity here to take a little break myself. But I think when we come back, we're probably going to hear more from that witness from uh, We the People AZ Alliance. This guy, Chris Hansen, because I don't think we've seen the last of him. At the very least, they're going to cross-examine him. But did you notice... Oh, here's another thing I want to say, going back to that 90-second video. Did you notice that after um, Kurt Olson questioned the Level 1 signature verifier about Cecilia, once she said that she identified Cecilia in that video and said that Cecilia did not intervene with this guy that was approving signatures too fast, that's when the county started to panic a little bit. And they started making objections, and they started questioning the authenticity of the video and saying that we, we they, they really didn't want this video to be seen at all. They didn't want um, this evidence to be on the record. Like, the county was basically trying to challenge um, this expert witness and say, well, we don't know if she's seen the video. We don't know if she's actually seen it, so how can we take her word for it? 
And they, they made him play the video again. And after they played the video and she said what she said about Cecilia, then they started questioning the authenticity of the video itself. Which is really strange. Really, really strange because as somebody in the chat pointed out, in the beginning of the trial, they actually said that the guy in the video was removed from the process. So how are you going to sit here and try to make the argument that the video is not authentic, like it's just made up, that it's CGI or something, but you're, you're making an argument about the video. You're telling us, you're making factual arguments about the video, which you later question the authenticity of. That doesn't make any sense. But again, uh, I'm seeing all of this. I'm picking up on all this. I'm catching it. I'm seeing Maricopa County run in circles. But the judge, does he see it? That's the question. The judge failed to see Scott Jarrett contradict himself under oath, didn't he? So while we see all of this clear as day, it's hard to say whether or not this judge is picking up on the same things, but hopefully, hopefully. It's all about the video, says Roy. Remember that, uh, <laughs> remember what, the, what during cross-examination, I found this hysterical, laughable. The, the county attorney in cross-examination asked the witness about that statement she made where she said that um, she, she got all teary-eyed. She started crying when she first took the stand and said that she just wants to make sure that her kids and her grandkids' votes count, right? And it was a powerful moment. She got teary-eyed. The judge offered her a glass of water, which was bizarre. You know, I'm, I'm, usually when someone starts crying, you offer them tissues. I don't know why you offered her a glass of water. But anyway, after she said that, right, the county attorney wanted to go back to that statement and said, um, so you said that when you were working during the election, you know, it, it, it was it was in the back of your mind that you wanted to make sure that your 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 kids' vote and your grandkids' vote counts, right? Well, isn't it true that you know, even though there was all these bad signatures being uh, illegally passed through, at the end of the day, all the votes were counted, right? <laughs> and that's what that's what really that's what really matters. That all the votes are counted, whether they're legal or they're illegal, it doesn't matter. It just matters that every vote is counted, right? That's what she said. And she was like, what? What are you talking about? No, <laughs> that's not what I said. But the county's trying to make this argument. They're going for this argument again, just like they did with, with the door three ballots and the voter disenfranchisement um, that we addressed in the prior trial. You know, in the prior trial, they said, yeah, you know, all the machines broke down and there was thousands of ballots put in door three to be tabulated later. But at the end of the day, all those votes were tabulated. They were all counted, right? So that's all that matters. So here we have the county making that argument again regarding the bad signatures. <laughs> They're basically trying to say, yeah, we know that there was a bunch of ballot-harvesting mules and NGOs uh, that have, you know, the, the, the county recorder's office has handed over the voter registration records to a bunch of NGOs that are funded by George Soros, 
that are taking the the registration uh, signatures, and then you know somebody's hacking into the voter rolls and changing the address so that all the, the the ballots get sent to one location so they can harvest them and then use the voter registration signature to try to forge their signature onto a, a, a ballot and then putting that in a uh, uh, putting that into a Dropbox. You know, and then that gets sent to, you know, the the signature verif- verifiers, right? But at the end of the day, all those ballots are getting counted, right? And that's what's really important. It doesn't matter that they're illegal. It doesn't matter that these ballots are coming from uh, ballot harvesting mules, you know, stealing the identities of people and casting ballots on their behalf. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right, so again, I think I'm going to take an opportunity here to take a little break myself. We got about 15 more minutes before they they come back. They said 1:30, so that's Arizona time, which means 3:30 Eastern Daylight Time. So I'll just put the uh, the live stream back up. We'll keep an eye on it when they get back. When they get back, we will resume. All right, and that you know everybody should take a break. Go get a glass of water. Go get a sip of water. Wait, Mick Leeper says one hour and fifteen minutes. So wait, they don't come back till four thirty. Hold on, hold up, hold up, hold up. What? Hold on. What time is it in Maricopa County? Oh, man, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's 12.13 p.m. in Maricopa, so they're not going to come back for an hour and 15 minutes? Holy smokes, that's a long time. You think I could sit here and give commentary for an hour and 15 minutes? Hell no. Not after listening to this for three hours straight. There ain't no way. Where's Behizzi? I need Behizzi up in here to, you know, fill some airtime. I'm I'm not prepared to sit here for an hour and 15 minutes. But I guess if I don't everybody's going to leave. Play guitar till it comes back. Ah, I'm a little rusty. I haven't been playing the guitar lately. I think that's what we did back in December during Carrie Lake's trial before. I think that's what I did. Stairway to heaven. <laughs> no stairway. I can play it though. You know when I play when I play guitar on a live stream, it's really choppy. It doesn't come through very good. I'll go get I'll go get the acoustic. All right, I'll be right back.
All right. Hold on. Let me zoom out a little bit so you can see the guitar. You know what's uh, pathetic? Look. Look how lazy I am. I changed the strings, but I didn't get the wire cutters out to trim the excess at the end. So it looks like a, a spider. And I changed the strings, but then I never played the guitar. So actually, the strings are old, and they're no good. They sound like crap. But uh, I guess I'll just fiddle fart around here for a couple minutes because of the request from... Who was it that wanted me to play the guitar? Super Buff Shaft? Yeah, that was you. So I'll just jam for a little bit. Already got people saying we need more cowbell. Damn. Can't ever please you guys. I get the guitar, but there's not enough cowbell. Let me know if you can hear. Can you hear that? Turn the mic up a little bit. of singing. You don't want me to sing, trust me.
I missed the last damn chord. Wow. What a joke. I haven't played in months, so uh, I feel really rusty. And I always start with Under the Bridge, because that's like one of the first songs I learned all the way through when I was just a little guy, 14 years old, trying to get girls. My brother told me, if you start playing the guitar and you learn to play, uh, you know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers, you'll get girls. So that's the reason I started, and it didn't really work. I don't think I ever got one girl based on my guitar playing. All right, so let's see what else we got. How about some Back in Black? I can't play the whole song on acoustic. There's no way. There's no way. What else we got? I'm kind of having a brain fart. I don't know what to play. Only an hour and eight minutes left. Yeah, we're not going to make it an hour and eight minutes. I'm probably going to, like I said, I, I wanted to take my own break. So I'm probably going to uh, hang it up here in a minute. Makes you want to grab your acoustic off the wall. Well, go get it, brother. I'll give you the I'll give you the link to Streamyard, and we can have a little guitar battle. How about that? Play Hurt by Johnny Cash. I can I I haven't played that one in years, but I think I can play that one. And I know most of the lyrics too. I'll try to sing it, alright? Oh, this is this is so embarrassing. But luckily, most everybody has left by now. So it's just the Wilfs who won't think any less of me when they hear my awful, awful singing. Hold on. Hold on, let me let me remember the chords. It's really simple, but I can't remember. Here we go. Nope. 
I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain. The only thing that's real, the needle tears a hole. The old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end, and you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair, full of broken thoughts. I cannot repair beneath the stains of time. The feelings disappear. You are someone else, but I am still right here. What have I become? My sweetest friend, everyone I know goes away in the end, and you could have it all. My empire of dirt, I will let you down. I will make you hurt if I could start again a million miles away. I would keep myself. I would find a way. Killing it, dude! Thanks, man. That was that was tough. That was tough. It's like a a real vulnerable song, you know. It brings up a lot of emotions. Johnny Cash, man. Actually, it's a Nine Inch Nails original that Johnny Cash covered, but it basically became a Johnny Cash song at that point. But it's a uh, it's a great song. A great song. Major Day. That Major Day, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but if that makes your day, you must have a hard life. 
Beautiful. Oh, I, I appreciate all the compliments. Thank you, guys. <coughs> Maybe I'll bust this thing out once in a while. I, I, I need to start playing more because it's really therapeutic for me. And it helps me shut my brain off from all this, you know, the, the communist takeover that I have to focus on 24-7 in order to deliver you guys the news. So what else we got? What else we got? Pretty much everyone left, so it's just me, Sparky, Karen, Maxine. It's just us now. So we can do whatever we want. Yeah, both are great versions. I'm a big Nine Inch Nails fan. Big, big Nine Inch Nails fan. Let's see. I played the beginning of uh, Little Wing by Jimi Hendrix. Haven't, I, that's a tough one. That's one of the hardest things to play that I know, and I haven't played in months. So let's see if I can do that. Whoops. Okay, I guess not. How is little Nick Minnie? Is he out of diapers? Uh, no, he's not out of diapers, but he actually peed in the potty. He's been peeing in the potty like every day, and he's only 18 months old, which is a really big deal. You know, he's, he's advanced. He's a genius. He's, of course he is. He's my, my son. But, yeah, he is uh, still peeing and pooping in those diapers, still costing us money, but we're getting there. All right? And he's, he's, he's freaking hilarious, man. This kid is a goofball. <laughs> like, I can tell he's going to be just like me. Just like me. And he's a handful. Like, I, I wake up in the morning, and this kid has me running around all day long. My wife does, uh, she does a lot more than I do. Let's put it that way. But, you know, the time that I'm not doing this, I'm spending with him. That kid exhausts me, man. But he's awesome. And he makes me laugh every single day. Just this morning, <laughs> just this morning, he, he likes to come in here and, and impersonate me. He gets in my chair. He starts typing on the computer. Well, this morning he was in this chair. I walked into the room. And <laughs> he, he's going like this, which means more in sign language. And what he wants me to do is spin him around in the chair. So I start spinning them, spinning them, spinning them, spinning them, and his head starts to slump over like he's getting dizzy. <laughs> and the kid, he falls straight out of the chair, and I guess that's, you know, a, a, a reflection on me as a bad parent or whatever, but who cares? But he fell straight onto his face, basically, and he just got back up and went like this again. <laughs> he wanted me to keep spinning them. He's tough, too. Uh, Susan, oh, Susan Bertrand here says, I'd fill in for you, but I'm driving. That's all right. But it's good to see you, Susan. How are things out in New Hampshire? You guys uh, root out any of the corruption out there? New Hampshire's corrupt as hell. 
that song? Anybody? We still have 681 people watching, which is amazing. Metallica, Maxine got it, yep. Yeah, Metallica. This is a hard one to play on acoustic. Damn, I can hardly do it. Thank you. 
I'm waiting for somebody to name this one. So I don't claim to be like a you know a guitar legend or anything. I'm I'm self-taught. Just something I've done, picked it up, put it down since I was about 14. And uh, past couple years I've hardly played at all. But it's always been like my little mental getaway, my little mental vacation. You know, when I get stressed out, I pick up the old guitar just for 15 minutes or so, and I feel you know like uh, I just I just Spent two hours in therapy or something. Warm up the little fingers, huh? Let's see. Got another one. Screw that up. Hold on. I got it. I got it. Traveler. Yeah, you're 
All right. All right, I think I'm going to take a little breaky poo. Because I'm tuckered. I'm tuckered out. Not Tucker Carlson. I'm tuckered out. So I'm going to take a break. Uh, the trial is going to resume at about 4.30 Eastern Daylight Time, which is a little less than an hour. So I'll probably take 30, 45 minutes, and then we'll be back. So if you uh, choose to go to another stream, hey, I don't blame you. But if you choose to stick around, man, man, that would be uh, that would be awesome. All right. So make sure to click that like button. And we'll be back.